Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. to come. You, you have to share. She's so beautiful. I'll, I'll, I don't need that. Okay. So as we were in prayer, um, as I was kneeling by my husband, what came to me is that as he was addressing the church, all I heard in my spirit is that there is a shakening that's going to happen in the church that is so strong. And this is for the body at large. That is so strong that only those that have their eyes fixed on Jesus will stand. And But it's necessary to happen. The shakening that's getting ready to take place is necessary. Because the Lord needs his bride to be focused. So keep your eyes focused. And I saw literally um, our feet being planted in firm foundation, like, you know, concrete. When it's settling and it's, and it's wet and it dries and our feet are like solid in him. And we were focused on him and I saw our eyes fixed on him and that's the posture he wants his church firm and grounded on him fixed on him not looking to the right or the left because what's getting ready to unfold and take place is beyond what we can think or imagine and we have to be fixed on him we have to be so just devoted and just focused on him which is why he's trying to address his bride and get you refocused. That is not about ministry. It's not about all these other things. It's about him. And that's why he wants us to return to our first love, which is him. Nothing else can get in the way. So that's what I thought. I'm not going to add more or take away. That's exactly what I heard in my spirit. So stay focused on him. That's why he's redirecting us to be so caught up in his presence and seeking his faith. Because there's more that he's going to pour out for the end time. Because we are living in those times now, presently. So be encouraged. Uh, folks, today's message is titled, Understanding the Times and the Sons of Issachar. You know, the sons of Issachar have been heavy on my heart lately. Uh, for those of you that don't know who Issachar was, he was one of the sons uh, of Jacob, born to Leah. You can read about that in the book of Genesis, chapter 35, verse 23. Something very interesting was said about the sons of Issachar. We are told they had an understanding of the times. In fact, in the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 12, verse 32, we read the following. 
of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200, and all their brethren were at their command. If you're a student of Bible prophecy in the world today, you can clearly discern the times we are living in. But most of the church has no clue about the times and seasons that God has so clearly laid out for us in His Word. I want to bring to our attention uh, the rebuke Jesus gave to those around Him who were not paying attention to the times during His first coming. In the book of Luke, chapter 12, verses 54 to 56, the Lord Jesus Christ says the following, And He said also to the people, when you see a cloud rise out of the west, straight away you say, you say there cometh a shower, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, ye say there will be heat, and it cometh to pass. Ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it you do not discern this time? So we are told that the sons of Issachar had an understanding of the times, but the people did, did not discern the signs of the times during Jesus' first coming. The people, however, were without excuse to not understand and be watching because over 300 detailed prophecies had foretold that Christ was coming. The Old Testament provided a description of the circumstances around which the promised Messiah would be born, the bloodline he would come through, the events that would take place in his life, as well as his death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus Christ fulfilled all of these in his first coming to the earth. It is worth noting that even their rejection of Christ was also prophesied. You can read about that in the book of Isaiah and the book of Psalms. The people could discern by looking at the sky if good or bad weather was coming, but they could not discern the promised coming of their Messiah to be watching and waiting for it. That also sounds similar in our world today, doesn't it? All of the signs Jesus told us to look for to signal his soon return are staring us in the face. And yet the majority of the world could care less and have no clue about what is about to come upon this world. In the book of Luke chapter 21 verse 35, the Lord Jesus Christ says the following, For as a snare it shall come on all them that dwell in the face of the whole earth. Is there a connection between the sun of Issachar? And those of us around the world today that are watching for the Lord's return, recognize the season we are in and know that Jesus Christ is about to rapture his church. I would say absolutely. Again, we are told the sons of Issachar had an understanding of the times, which means they were aware of what time they were living in. We are told very clearly in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that we, the children of the light, will have an understanding of the times and we will see the day approaching. The Bible also tells us that, that that day should not catch us off guard like a thief in the night. Unfortunately, for the majority of the world, it will catch them off guard because they are not watching. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 to 9, the Apostle Paul reports the following. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, 
but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken, are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and fur and helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Which one of these two groups do you fall into? Are you like those of the world who blind themselves to the magnificent fulfillment of prophecy as it stares them in the face? Or are you like the sons of Issachar, who understood in advance what incredible times they lived in and watched in anticipation? If anyone is watching this that doesn't believe we are living in amazing times and in the season of the Lord's soon return, Thank you, Jehoshua. Thank you, mighty Lord. Mighty God, mighty Jesus. Mighty Yeshua. Mighty Jehoshua. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, for the blessing to be able to share God's word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yeshua. Thank you. Thank you. Jehoshua, what an awesome, awesome God we serve. What a good God we serve. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yeshua. Thank you. Thank you, Jehoshua. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Robert, thank you. Shalom, brother. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I'm here with my brother, Tony. Amen. Who will be joining us tonight in this Bible study. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, Brother Tony. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Yeshua. I share on Sunday um, what the Lord has shown unto me, which I thought it was so mighty. And I wanted to come on tonight with more detail. And of course, talk about Bible prophecy the end of days, the returning of our Messiah, our Rabbi, our Lord, our God, who is about to return for his bride that have made herself ready. A man who has been repenting, seeking the Lord more than anything, getting ready for the return of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. We know every day is closer to the coming of Jesus because of the struggle and, and how it is. My brother and sister, some people have practically given up, and but we're not going to give up. We're going to continue to endure. We're going to continue to persevere. We know how important it is that we are ready for the coming of the Lord because it has been the Lord who called us, my brother and sister. So it's the Lord whom we serve. So we know that we understand who has called us. Who has chosen us? It's been Jesus. So in obedience to him, to God, our Lord, our God, we, we want to be ready. We want to be ratchet departure. We want to come home. I don't know how many of you, you know, have really said, you know, enough is enough. We need to come home, you know, because it seems like a lot of people are so much in love with the world that don't want to come home. My brothers and sisters, and I'm not making accusation here. We're all in the same boat with Jesus, remember? You know, we're all patently together in the same boat. So none of us here has an advantage over anyone. 
because we're all pedaling with Jesus on the same boat. We just got to continue to do it, not give up. You know, don't let a few paddle and then the rest enjoy the view. But let's all, let's all work together in the same boat, my brother and sister. Amen. Because this is it. This is it. This is it. Shalom, Sister Wendy. We were listening a, we were listening a testimony earlier about this child, seven years old, testifying that Jesus came to him twice recently to tell him, I am coming now. I am coming now. Tell my people I am coming now. Twice. Okay? Twice. My brother and my sister. So, the Lord is coming. Whether people are ready or not. And I hope, I really hope that more people get ready. I, you know, going to heaven, we want, we want to bring a good a good crowd with us. You know, this has been my hope in the Lord that a good group of, of us comes together home. That none of us stay behind. See, because remember, we are going to have a new mind. In other words, it says the old things have passed away. You know, the former things have passed away. So I don't know how much we can remember. And so... If you leave it for, for saying, well, when people go to, go to heaven, they'll pray for me. They'll keep me in the prayer. But we're going in into a new life, into a new body. And, and I don't know if we'll remember those petitions. We can't guarantee you nothing, but the Lord is the only one. He knows all things. So for me to make you a promise that I will pray for you up there, when the Lord has said, I want you to come home and rest. So it's kind of violating what the Lord already promised me, I feel. You know, so kind of I want to do what God wants me to do. And kind of what I'm I'm doing now is what God wants me to do, praise the gospel. Tell the people about my coming. Get them ready. Tell them to be get ready. Repent. And that's what I've been doing, my brother and sister, warning, warning God's people to get ready, prepare, and encouraging people the most. I'm not here to put anyone down, but encourage you to get ready. Don't not miss the rapture. Do not miss the departure for anyone. I know, I know that some people think that if they stay behind, they can probably help the children, help some of the family members. Don't do that unto yourself. Because all you're going to encounter is, is suffering. What do you think, Brother Tony, about those that want to stay behind to help out other people? Yeah, it's, uh not the mentality that the Lord wants for us to have, you know. Um, he wants all of us to, you know, to be safe, you know, in a place, you know, for the wedding supper. He has called us, you know, to be at the wedding, you know, which is the rapture. Um, but, yeah, he doesn't want people to stay behind, you know. He wants, he wants us to be safe, you know. We talked about the 144 before, you know, and those chosen stay behind, but that's something separate, you know. That's completely separate. This is a calling, you know, you know, um, for all of us to, to go home, you know, to be at that wedding supper, because it's going to be horrible. I mean, tribulation, Lord has showed you, you know, it's, and he's giving you experiences of how horrible it's going to be. It's going to be Jesus himself said it's like it's never been before. So, it's, it's, you know, no one should be looking forward for the, for the tribulation, you know. That's not 
you know, not be, you know, be, because the Bible tells us, you know, never in the Bible tells you to, you know, to look forward to, to this great tribulation. You know, it tells you to get ready, you know, because he's coming like a thief in the night, you know. Amen. To telling us to be ready because he can he can appear any time, you know, before we can expect it. So he just wants us to be be ready, you know, with him, with the Lord, you know, our hearts to be right with him and seeking him and loving the Lord. We were just listening to that song that really touched me, you know, before the program. Or it wasn't a song; it was uh, it was that one. Uh, it was uh, like a like uh, like a word. It was the, the one again? It's right. She's right. You know, it's, it's all about the Lord and. And, uh, you know, nothing else, no one else, just about focusing on the Lord, you know. And uh, that's how we get ready, by just focusing on the Lord and being more like Him and just pursuing Him with all our hearts, you know. So, no, not, I'm not, not I'm not looking for a tribulation, and no one should be, you know, because it's going to be too. It's that is so true. Suffering, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, I've, we've been, I've, I've been, we all go through something different, you know, I don't want to go more, you know, I don't want to go through more stuff, I want to, you know, like I said, I, I want to be, I want to go home and rest, you know, because the rest of the Lord is the rest we, we want, the rest of the Lord, and, and uh, when he gives you rest, you know, that's, that's the true rest, that's the true um, joy, you know, it's, it's, that's why he wants us to, to go home, you know, and get prepared and, and our hearts ready with him. You know, and I I see like people like around your age, mm-hmm. less than thirty, yeah, who gets to go home early without making it to forty, fifty, sixty. Yeah, I see it as a blessing. Okay. What a blessing that you don't have to be here seventy years. Yeah, going through more suffering and more things, and, mm-hmm. and you know that the Lord is about to come. He's about to take these young people home, yeah. children, babies. Okay. This is such a blessing for them. To be able able to come to heaven and and enjoy eternity because not everyone is coming down to the millennium. Mm-hmm. Most of them are staying home with Jesus, with God, and they're gonna be enjoying the presence, that eternal presence of God, that eternal love, loving place, peaceful place. My brother and sister, pure place, forever, without any worry ever, without any trouble ever. What a blessing that is, my brother and my sister. Thank you, Lord. So I want to go into my dream this week. You know, I was getting ready on Sunday to share a dream. When that same Sunday, God's giving me a dream, and it was like, wow, okay, so let me think about the one before, because the one that was uh, Sunday morning was so reason that I share. And I'll play it later on, but there was something Father showed to me that, wow, it really left me um, so much information he, he showed me, which I'm going to share part of it. I don't know if I can share it all, but I'll try to do my best here to share what he has shown me. And I'll begin in Ephesians 6.12, book of Ephesians 6.12. It says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, my brothers and sisters, Hallelujah. And that's the title of tonight's message. I don't know why people think it's so unconceivable that we don't wrestle against human beings, my brothers and sisters. And I'm looking at the word wrestle, and, and the meaning of to wrestle is to try to throw 
or mobilize another person, especially uh, by gripping with a hand or to engage in the sport of wrestling. Like we were talking about WrestleMania. I told Tony, have you watched WrestleMania? Because I, I watched some of it growing up, Hulk Hogan and them. And, 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 and we, I thought in the beginning that it was real, okay? But it kind of gives us an, an understanding what wrestling means. So as I'm meditating on this today, the Lord helped me to understand even deeper. And, and, and there is that the Lord, you know, was giving me, I believe what he was giving me was the understanding of what happened in the garden with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, their wrestling did not begin against flesh and blood, although they both were with flesh and blood. But they're talking to the serpent in the garden. But the serpent has gotten, gotten hold of by Satan. Satan has gotten hold of that serpent. So the wrestle began in the garden. Satan wrestled Eve and wrestled Adam, okay, and beat them both. He beat them both, okay? And I, my question was, I was thinking is, why is it so inconceivable today for Christians in general not to conceive that we only don't wrestle with flesh and blood, that this is not against humans, this is not against, you know, people going riots and, and, and it's a peaceful walk. And, and, and do all these things, protect, pro, protecting. And, and they, they, they're looking to claim their rights. But I believe our right come from God. I believe most of that they're requesting is the left, not the right. But they say the right, their rights. But we wrestle not against flesh or blood, but against principality. So the wrestling now is, this is not what's going on, Paul is saying, or God is saying. That why you're thinking is not what it is, it's not what you think, it's not what in your mind, it's not what your eyes see. Okay? But it's again principality. And the devil being the principal of them, the head of them, my brother insisted, was wrestling with Eve in the garden. Now, can we say that Eve was unprepared, Brother Tony? Was she unprepared to deal with the devil? Yeah, I mean, they were perfect beings, I know that. <laughs> um, Anybody in the shower room, was Eve unprepared? I think she was prepared. I mean, she was, she says, the Bible says that God will walk with them, the Lord will walk with them, you know, and, you know, I said he would walk with them. In the cool of the day. Yeah. So, what's that? What, she, did she miss a, one of those morning uh, Bible studies? Mm-hmm. Maybe the most important one? Yeah. I mean, you start thinking, what happened? What failed? Because as a human being, you know, we start thinking, what failed in the garden? Because it was a perfect 
establishment. Pray for family. What failed that the devil comes and deceives them. And to me, it looks easily what he does, but I could be looking at it wrong. And so that's why I asked the question. Were they easily deceived or there was a fight? You know, and, and then the Bible said wrestle. Then you look at the meaning of wrestling. It's a fight between two. You know, it's an engage in a, in a sport of wrestling to struggle to move or control something with the hands. So there was a wrestling going on in the garden between the devil and Eve and Adam. You know, and since we know that eating Adam lost the wrestling, we, we, then we ask the question, how come? What happened? Were they unprepared? And it leaves you with so many questions that you want to ask. And all the answers to the question are in the Word of God. Because then God says to us, take the armor of God. First he said, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality, against power, against the ruler of darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness in high places. Then what, what advice will God give us after he revealed to us what we're wrestling against? Hear his advice to us. Therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Then the question is, so he didn't have the armor? Maybe the answer is yes. Maybe the answer is yes. Or the answer could be no. You know? But she fought with the word, but it looks like then she fell by the word of the devil. By the lies. You know? She should have stayed on the word. Why was she convinced out of the word? She was right in the beginning. She said, you know, God has told us, uh, you know, she told the, devil, the the serpent, you know, the enemy that God has told us to not eat because the day we will, will die. And, you know, she started right. Fine, you know. But then she... Okay, so we see what the devil did with Adam and Eve in the garden. How he deceived them. Now, let's take it to Job. How come he could not deceive Job? Yeah, it's the same devil. The same one, yeah. And they're just different believers yeah. in different times. How come Job doesn't fall easily like Adam and Eve? Well, Job was different because Job, you know, was in the flesh. He was suffering. You would think he would have fallen. That's what you would think, right? Because he was, he was suffering like you know, like no one else. Joe seems to us like he found himself in a work condition. He could easily get sick with Adam and he could not. Yeah. You see, there was an advantage Adam and Eve had in the garden over Job. Because you got to compare the story because God gives us a story for us to meditate on. And we have to come out out of the story with a conclusion. Something that we can apply to ourselves, to our own life. What did Joe do different than Adam and Eve? Joe saw every day to consecrate himself. Mm -hmm. Every day, the Bible says. 
And that gave Job an advantage over the enemy. Believe it or not. What's going to give us an advantage is what we do every day. My brothers and sisters, not what we say, what we do. Not necessarily who we are. It's what we do, my brothers and sisters. Because to God, my brothers and sisters, action speaks better than word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Joel did something every morning that made Joel, hallelujah, my brothers and sisters, says that Job, the man was perfect and upright, one who feared God and skin evil. Okay? And then it tells you there was uh, seven sons and three daughters were born unto him. And then Job, my brother and sister, it says in verse 4 that they went to feast. Okay? But Job, so what sort of the day of their fasting were ended. Joel sent and sanctified them, rose early in the morning and offered burnt offering according to the number of them all. For Joel said, It may be that my son have sinned and cursed God in their heart. So they, Joel did continuously. Anything that you do continuously, my brother and sister, this is where we need to stand. Because just say I'm a Christian, but continuously not sanctifying yourself in prayer and fasting with God is dangerous. But continuously being and repenting and seeking the Lord is what's going to make us strong in the day of temptation. And every human being from the garden we know, according to Adam and Eve and everybody else, Temptation, the devil will come to everyone, each and one of us. The thing is, how are we standing for God when the devil comes to tempt us? That is the question. How are you when the devil comes to tempt you? Are you a right standing with God? Are you a right standing with God when the devil comes to tempt you? Joe was right standing with God. Fear us, men of God. And continuously we're seeking God. And the devil cannot defeat Joe. The devil wrestles against Joe. And Joe remains standing before the Lord. The devil came against with sickness and brokenness of heart and brokenness of his pocket. He left them broke. Will you be standing where God broke? Or you need to have some money in your bank account to stand with God? See, this God will put us to the test. I know that you feel better when you have money in your bank. You feel better, right? But can you feel the same when you have none? You see, right standing with God is the whole package of being obedient. 
that whatever whatever situation you're in and whatever situation you found yourself in, the devil cannot bring you down because your trust is in the Lord. Your hope is in the Lord. Your hope is not money. It's not how just having money in your bank account and praising God that everything is fine. You're trusting the Lord no matter what your situation is, what your financial situation is, what your health is. Some people tell God, if you don't heal me by next year, this is it. So are you serving God because God gives you good health? Or you're serving God because you love him and you know you need to be obedient to him? See, you have to decide yourself. Because God gives us, God will put us through the test. See, the thing with God is that our words are not enough. God doesn't trust our words. God doesn't trust us in, in all. God only trusts his son and his Holy Spirit. Yeah. My brother and sister. But if we submit to the word of God, no matter what the condition, the situation, he will deliver us. He will fight for us. He will be there for us, my brother and sister. We cannot just serve God for what we have, oh, because we have some money in our bank account. And then when that money is gone, oh, no, it's the same for me. Some people say, it's the same for me, brother Ali. I don't have time to be fasting, to be praying, because I got to go to work. Let me tell you something. God had me fasting while working, even praying and worshiping while working. God had me do that, my brother and sister. And I barely have no money. There was time, $20, that was it for the week. Sometimes the $20 were not there. I was broke, 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 nothing. And still seeking God, fasting and praying. It didn't matter because God did not offer me a check for me to serve him. He offered me eternal life that cannot be bought with a check. My brother and sister, you need to understand the calling that we are. Hallelujah. You can see now how the economy is falling little by little. And how many companies are closing down, banks are closing down, people are losing their jobs. Uh, a brother was saying how many banks and companies have closed in the last months alone, my brother and sister, naming them. I'm not focused on that. They, to me, they can all close down. I still be serving the Lord. That's my thinking. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Our trust is in the Lord. Our hope is in the Lord. Whether we live or die, we will be for the Lord. We serve the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So the question is, the Bible said, therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. You cannot take this armor without praying. Because a lot of people say, so how do you take the armor, brother? You need to pray them into your own life. And you can even pray them to someone else, like a, like a son, like a daughter, someone else. You know? Take the whole armor of God. That you may be able to withstand the evil day. And having done all. I've been done all. And some of us can say, I think I have done all. Stand. 
So stand. This is why if Adam and Eve had the armor, they would have been standing. Joe had it. He was standing at the end. Joe was not kicked out of the presence of God. Joe was brought in into even more of the presence of God. Where Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, out of the presence of God. You see the difference? Taking the armor, my brother and sister, is so important. It's so necessary. Because it's what's going to keep us standing. Why are there not many people standing today as they showed up? As God told them to take the armor. Because they didn't listen to the Lord to take the armor. So they will be standing when this bad day will come. So many people have fallen off. So many people are, are not what they used to be years ago. Because they stopped taking the armors of God. This is why they're not standing. Because God said that if you do take the armor, you will stand. To stand, to stand, you need to take the armor. Just to stand. Hallelujah. And why? That you may be able to withstand. Do you understand what the word withstand means, Brother Tony? Uh, to withstand like uh, uh, how can I like withstand is uh, like uh, you know like uh, like withstand the storm kind mm-hmm. of like that like withstand mm-hmm. like uh, uh, I'm not sure how to thank you Lord put into words but I do have an uh, I do know what it means I kind of trying to trying to explain it but amen yeah amen Thank you, Lord. I know I said in Spanish, in English, I'm trying to find the right word. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I do know what it means, yeah. Amen. To stand and withstand. They have the difference, but... When you withstand, persevere, thank you for the word. Yeah, Persevere is another word for withstanding. It's like when you withstanding anything, it's like everything is coming against you, mm-hmm. but it's not bringing you down. Because you're withstanding them strong. You are strong enough in the Lord, or the Lord will make you strong enough in your relationship with him. Then no matter what storm comes against you, you're still standing. You're still strong. The storms are not bringing you down. Right. You know? And so when the storm came into the garden, Adam and Eve, seems to me like they were not ready to withstand the enemy. But when the enemy comes against Joe, Joe will stand the enemy strong and lost everything he loves, but still staying strong. What they even in Adam loose in the garden that cannot keep them strong. I know that the significance of the garden was all, because he had dominion over the birds, fish, Everything, mammal, everything. Yeah. And losing that dominion to Adam and Eve was a lot. Yeah, a lot, yeah, for sure. But now Joe also was a, a, a well wealthy man who had many cattle, many animals. That means he had a lot of land, lot. very wealthy. So how do you compare the wealth of Adam with the wealth of Joe? It's kind of similar. 
in a way. They both had a lie, yeah. They both had a lie. Yeah. Think about it. So why could Job withstand the devil? But Adam could not. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a great example of Job. That's really a really because he was he was faithful. He, you know, he was barely you can say barely standing, but no, he, you know, he was suffering like. But he, you know, that's a great example. It's really few people in the Bible suffered. You know. Uh, describing the word, you know, of course after the Lord, but Job was one of those that suffered one of the most, you know, because he lost what he loved the most, you know, especially his, his I think he lost his children too, right? His mm-hmm. sons and daughters. And, he did. And so he lost what he loved the most, so that tells you he, his The heart, question is why Adam loved the most. His wife? Yeah, because he only had her when they sinned, so. See, he, Adam did not correct Eve when she was wrong, but Job did correct his wife. Yeah, Job did, he did correct the uh, correction. It looks like Job was standing stronger than Adam, mm-hmm. but then Adam is the father of us. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. You didn't give us a good example. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you, you have to withstand, but the only way you can withstand is standing with the Lord. Yeah. Right. You know, that's why it's the whole armor of God. Yeah. Not just I'm fine. I'm in, you know I'm in the garden. Everything is going well. No. You know no. you have to watch out. You have to. You know, as someone said Eve. I don't love Eve. Yeah, apparently a lot. But Joe love his wife too. Yeah. Do you, can you say that I don't love Eve more than Joe love his wife? Yeah. No. no. They ball off his wife, their wife. The thing is, the consecration of Job, which no one can say that Job was more consecrated than Adam. That's a tough one. Because <laughs> they were both consecrated, I mean. Because <laughs> so today a lot of people would like to be like Adam. Yeah. But a few people want to be like Job. Well, yeah, Adam didn't, didn't suffer nothing before he sinned. He was in glory, you know. <laughs> He was in glory, perfect, perfect. So why wasn't he strong than Job? Man, yeah, that's that's really strong. Um, because it's the same devil that that came to them. Same, same devil that came to Adam came to Job. Yeah. And the devil even, I would say, tempted God, but God cannot be tempted. Yeah. But I would say, then what, what word can we use? Tempted God against Job. Or accuse Job before God. Yeah. But who not to say that Adam was not accused by the devil also? Because mm-hmm. the Bible says that the devil the is the accuser of the brethren. Mm-hmm. So that means that, excuse me, that the devil could not come into the garden without accusing them. Accusing them. He has to accuse them before he came into the garden. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord, for that revelation. <laughs> He has to. So he accused Adam and Eve and then comes into the garden. But then we see that the devil doesn't find much resisting in the garden. But when he comes against Job, he finds like a wall. A shield is what he finds. Because look what the Bible says about when you take the armor of God. 
Stand therefore having your loin girded with the truth, having the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shall with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, my brothers and sisters. Job had this shield. Job had it. Can can anyone say Adam didn't have it? He he had to. He saw the Lord every morning. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So did the shield fell Adam more than Job? They both had it. (laughs) They both had it. (laughs) But look what it says when you have it, which makes you think whether he had it or not now. Listen to this. Whereby you should be able to quench the fiery darks of the enemy. Which it looked to me that they did not quench the fiery darks of the enemy. The enemy kept throwing darks. Mm-hmm. Because see, when, when Genesis 3.1 begins, it tells you that the serpent was more settled than all the animals that the Lord had made. And then it said to the woman, she began to throw darks at Eve, Eve and Adam. And it seems like Adam and Eve were not quenching those darts, you know. But Job, in every occasion, Job worshipped the Lord. Did Adam worship the Lord? It doesn't say that. He was more focused on his wife. (laughs) (laughs) He was more focused on Eve. (laughs) So you're saying that Adam was a a lover, not a fighter? (laughs) Yes. Because some people say that. I heard the people saying that. I'm a lover, not a fighter. But, you know, you know, in reality is, my brother and sister is, it seems to me that Job was very responsible with what God was giving him. Yeah. He took care and he really committed himself to the Lord, which is, teaches us yeah. to commit our way to the Lord. The Bible advises us to commit our way to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Job was this type of brother in Christ. He committed his way to the Lord continuously, daily, which is, teaches us to do the same, to commit our way to the Lord, my brother and sister, and the Lord will help us. We're at the end. We're, the Lord is saying already he's already coming. We're at the end of all. Now comes, we're about to go in the three days of darkness. We're about to be in change and transform. Everything is here practically. So the word that we're sharing at the last of the last, you know, we, I can probably promise you that we won't be here much longer. Father's giving me a revelation this week, which I want to share this revelation. My brother and sister, I'm sharing these verses so we can stay in track, stay in union, stay in communion with the Lord, no matter what's happening around us. Because it seems like people get shaken very easy with what's happening. But if the news is making you down and question the word of God, turn it off and just focus on the Lord. Sometimes negative news and so much out there in the media turn people off in their relationship with the Lord. And if that is the case, shut it off. Just read the Bible, listening to the Lord. Amen. Above all, take the shield of faith whereby you should be able to quench all the fiery dogs of the wicked, and that the wicked Satan. Take the helmet of salvation, okay, and the sword of the Spirit. Notice how one goes with the other one, which is the Word of God. And immediately when he said, which is the Word of God, 
The word of God is Jesus. The word of God is Jesus. So when you take the helmet, the Lord says to Abraham, Abraham, I need your shield and your strong tower. So when we take the armor, we're taking Jesus upon ourselves between us and the enemy. So it's like the enemy doesn't care about anyone. But when he sees the Lord strong in you as a strong tower, he walks away. And that's exactly what Joe was. And that's exactly how we need to be. Amen. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You see? The Holy Spirit uses Jesus against the enemy, the sword. And the enemy gets defeated. And it's teaching us to do the same. The sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. So the Lord, the sword is of the spirit. So this sword, which is the sword of the spirit, that means that this sword is not just any sword. Because you think about a physical sword. But this is a spiritual sword that is special against the enemy. This is the one that defeats the enemy. This is the one that the enemy fears. Sword of the Spirit. Nothing else that can be compared to it. And it's because the other ones are more like uh, defensive, but the, the the sword is more of you know like attacking. It's the only one you can use to actually. Amen. Because even the shield that's to protect you, you know, but the sword is the one you use. You know, that's when you attack. That is for for protection for you and mm-hmm. the other ones. We need to do spiritual warfare once in a while. Buy and rebuke in the name of the Lord. It's important, my brother and sisters, that we take the time not just to pray and ask, but to bind and rebuke in our lives, in our family, in our home. Because the enemy wants to come in there and, and rule. He came in the garden. And not only he could have bind him and rebuke them, but they did not. That's why we are told to take the sword of the Spirit. That means this is a spiritual wrestle that we have, a vital. And we need to take that sword and bind the enemy and rebuke it. Pray immediately. When something is going weird in our home, in our family, in our life, we need to start praying and binding and rebuking. The enemy is trying to come in and bring division, argument, separation, and so much more. This is where we bind. This is where we come spiritual. We do spiritual warfare. My brother and sister. Verse 18. Pray in all ways with all prayers. So what kind of prayer should I do, Brother Elvis? Some people ask. All prayer. But Brother Elvis, can you be more specific? Well, can the Bible be more specific? All prayer. Praying always with all prayer. So how long should I be praying for, Brother Elvie? <laughs> well, the Bible says all, always. Mm-hmm. If, what is that to you? Uh, an hour? 10 minutes? 15 minutes? You know, it, it, some people see things different than, than other people. So that's why I got to ask, what is that for you? 10, 15 minutes? To me, always is like 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days a year. What is always to you? <laughs> to me, always is... is, is all the time you wherever you are you know sometimes you're not in your home you can pray out anywhere you know i do that you know anywhere i go and, and people you know of course they kind of look at you kind of weird <laughs> when you're out there praying you know mm-hmm. but 
it you gotta do it everywhere, you know. Um, and then you said that's what kept me strong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, you gotta pray. I, you know, it. You gotta pray everywhere, all the time. That's how I see what that says right there. Praying always with all prayer. It's praying, you know, all the time. Look at the Lord. He he would pray. The Bible says all night, you know, and uh, he would pray all night with the Father, and you know, he, he didn't let his disciples stop him because yeah. there was some some time that Jesus were will go among the multitude and disappear. They will be looking for him. They could not find him because yeah. he was already in his all-night prayer. Yeah, he was. But, you know, the, 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 you know, it sounds like he was rude mm-hmm. because, you know, they're celebrating the victory. They had just cast out legion out of people, and all these people got second mm-hmm. he and resurrected the dead. Mm-hmm. And they're expecting the Lord to stay with him and celebrate. He just walks away. <laughs> he's going the hey, he's, they're celebrating. All of a sudden, they cannot find him no more. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone with the wind. He's gone. Yeah. And they could not find him. He was praying with the Father not long. Now, I believe, my opinion, he was thanking God in his prayer. Yeah. Instead of thanking man, you know, people come to you and say, oh, thank you, thank you, you know. Yeah. And then you'll know, you got to thank God. The Lord was the one who did the miracle, who did the healing, who did the deliverance. But they want to thank you. But here's the thing. Jesus, I don't think that he was unfriendly because he's not. I don't think that he didn't spend time with them because he did. You know, I didn't think that he he was always serious. Not because he smiled a lot of the time. I seen him smile. I think that if what the Lord, since the Lord is God and understands all things, he knew that the enemy doesn't rest. And that, yes, they cast out the devil. Did he know that the devil was getting ready to return with another attack? So the Lord was always ready. He was always ready for battle. So to him, wasting time, as we say, with silliness, because sometimes we say that with silliness, Mm -hmm. And sometimes we do waste time with silliness. Yeah. yeah. To him, was a waste of time. This is what's going to happen to us when we get to heaven. We're going to sit in heaven, and if God allows us to look back to our life, because we're going to have, we're going to be able to look and understand certain things. We might be able to look and say, wow, how much time we wasted. Yeah. That we could have spent it praying and seeking the Lord more. I just know that you learn things in heaven because the Lord showed me this more than once. Jesus showed me this more than once in heaven with the the brothers and sisters that had gone on before us. That there were things that they could have learned on the earth, but they did not. It could have been a lack of faith. It could have been a lack of commitment, lack of prayer, lack of fasting and all that. That he didn't reveal to me what was the lack of. Because it could be that if I know you, I'll be judging, in my own opinion. Because we could do that with people. He doesn't want us to judge. We're no judge. He's a judge. Mm-hmm. We're here to help people and intercede for them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but he did reveal to me people that could have been walking in the power of God almost supernaturally or supernaturally, but could not. They're not because of the lack of commitment. Whatever the reason is, again, but they should have been there. And they're learning now in heaven as they've been 
forward to being with God in heaven, to walk in the power of God. But they should have been doing this on the earth before they came home, my brother and sister. So right now, God is giving us the few seconds in the spirit that we have left. So I look at it like a second we got left in the spirit before we go home. We could be learning. I was in prayer with the Lord a few days ago about this. And when he begins to reveal me things that we can ask for, we have not because we ask not. The Bible says, a lot of people, there are things that they want to have, that they really want to have, and it might be that they really also need, but they have not because they ask not. And when he said ask not, it's spending time with God in prayer. My brother and sister. And, and that's very difficult to a lot of believers to spend time with God. Because a lot, of, a lot of people wants to pray with God 10, 15 minutes and, and just walk away. And sometimes God asks you an hour or two in prayer or more. And you may be fighting with him saying, oh, God, 10, 15 minutes is enough for me. I get bored. I get tired. I, I can't. Some people say, hey, but you're wrestling with God, you know. See, Joe wrestled with the Lord. But, uh, I'm sorry, not Joe, Jacob. Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord. But he wrestled for him for his blessing. I will not let you go until you bless me. He was seeking for that blessing. And he struggled a lot. And when he had the opportunity of being blessed, he was willing to die. Because the angel said, don't you know that I could have killed you? He was willing to die for his blessing. What are you willing to do? For God to bless you. Jacob was willing to die. And the angel told him he could have killed him. That means the, the Lord saw that Jacob was willing to die for the blessing. What are you willing to do for your blessing in God? Because you've got to be like Jacob. What was Jesus willing to do for the blessing from the Father? Tell me. What was Jesus willing to do to receive the blessing from the Father? He was willing to die. Same attitude of Jacob. It's the same attitude of Jesus. Willing to die for the blessing. What are you willing to do for your blessing from Father? Father gave me a mighty revelation this week. I saw myself with my brothers and sisters at the church here in America. And God, in, in the spiritual realm that we're in, I can see America. But I can see all the government agencies with fallen Nephilim in them, fallen angels. They were working on the computer. The fallen one were top typing on the computer like we're human. They were all watching the church. They were watching us through every device they have, every camera, 
every satellite, everything. We will be in watch from up, down, sideways, every way possible. They got camera everywhere. But my surprise was that all these fallen ones working, working behind closed door with a government. This is what I was thinking. Now, now I understand why they're willing to let go police officer in every state and don't care about it. Because they got all these fallen ones that they're working with. And God wanted me to see where our nation is. That we are not welcome here anymore. They want us out. The Antichrist system, the beast system, the Babylonian system wants the church out. We're not welcome anymore. But it also reminded me that Jesus said, "Ye are in the world, world, but you are not of the world." You know why do they want us? Because they hate the Lord. They hate us the same. They want us out. And and what God was showing me, it was like a complete control of fallen angel on this earth everywhere. We're humans. It's like they partner up. They're working together. And you don't see them because they're be working behind closed door with them in darkness. That's why they got all these light bulbs that are red, green, and, and so many offices of the government. Demons don't like white light. That's one thing you're going to learn now. For many years now, they have changed the light bulbs almost everywhere. The demons have told them no white light anywhere. You need to change the light. You can make them soft off, soft white, not soft white. They have a, a color in between the white that makes the that makes the white kind of fake, which they call a soft light. But it's it, it, it's and, and so it's light that they want. You know, it's like that Amazon commercial they made with that women with all that snake on their head. And you can see the lighting. They took that video in complete darkness, and then they added some light into it. So you were able to see the person, the demon. Because the demon don't like lights. They are darkness. That's what they love to be. That's what they want to be. And all these, the Father was showing me, all these governor officers, office, completely dark, just with these special light bulbs, so the demon can be there working with the humans and all these computers and stuff. And I was stunned. And they can see us. They were watching us from every way, every angle possible. And we were not in... in, in it's idea they're getting ready for a big persecution against the church. And they were rising, and I felt so like I wanted to be out. We were wrestling with this spiritually because we wrestled not against flesh and blood. And all of, a, all of a sudden, Father took us out. This was a, a rapture experience, but I could see Father in the spirit and heaven in his throne. I can see in the throne of Father, the image of Father. And from there, Father brought us 
I was standing right beside the throne of Father when he arrived for us. I could see the throne, huge. Father is huge. The throne is huge. My brother, the throne is always like on a mountain. That's why when you read the, the Bible about the mountain of God, that's how his throne is in heaven. And, and I was there standing, glad to be taken out. But I could still look down to, to the earth, to the United States, clearly from heaven and the spirits. And God was making all this possible for me to see. So we, I can, so I can see how corrupted, damaged, contaminated our earth is. This nation is. It's beyond what a lot of people think. And then comes to mind to me that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality, against power. The powers of the air, my brother and sister. These are huge demons. I've seen them. Hallelujah. My brother and sister. Against power, against rulers of darkness of the world, of this world. They can rule this world in so many ways. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. My brother and sister. There are... High places, like government places to me. Because these are the people everyone respects. IRS, CIA, FBI. They, I could see them all in those agencies, working with them. And the human working with them like friends, like brothers. Not like, how in the world can they just work with them? And they're there, they're talking with them, and they know who they are. But they're not telling him. That's why all these government buildings, they have changed the windows. They have changed the lighting, the, court, the curtain. They have changed all the curtain inside. They have become more secretive now than ever before. That's what God was showing me. I was stunned. How could it be? How can they have, they have taken it to the level? But God told us it will be this way. The word of God, God cannot lie. My brother and sister, when you read Revelation 18, hallelujah, you learn about Babylon. Hallelujah. For she has become home for demons. This is from the complete Jewish Bible. We're talking about Babel the Great, Babylon the Great. She has become home for demons. Their homes. This is a demon paradise where we are now. This is a paradise, their home. But God was showing me this is not your home. This is not my children's home. Our home is in heaven with God, my brother and sister. It's not a home anymore. Not a home. It never been our home. This is a place of testing, trials and testing. We're going home, to our home, where we were born in heaven before God created the earth, where we were in the beginning with God. We're going back home. That's why heaven is our home, because that's where we were made by God, by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
That's why God, our Father, our true Father, bore each and one of us. That's why when we hear the name of Jesus, when we hear the name of God, we feel so touched because <clears throat> he bore us. He's our Father. That's why Jesus said, when you, when you pray, pray to your Father in heaven. He is a true Father. So Babylon has become the home of demons, prison for every unclean spirit, a prison for every unclean hate bird or hate a bird. These birds, that's why some people have been vaccinated in the great tribulation are going to turn into these birds. Okay? They're going to turn into these birds. Some will turn into demons. Some will turn into a clean spirit. And some will turn into birds. For all the nations have drunk in the wine of God's fury, caused by her whoring. Yes, the king of the earth went whoring with her. In front of her unregistered trained love, luxury, the world businessmen have grown rich. Babylon have made all the nations rich. My brother insisted. Because she don't care about people being saved. It's not about people being saved. It's about being, making people rich, but then poor in God. Poor in the Lord. Not ready for heaven. Because everything she, she offering them is lust of the eye. Lust of the flesh. The love of money, which is the root of all evil. Loving money is so dangerous. If we can understand just that, what can the love of money cost to us? What can be the outcome for us loving money? The outcome, my brother and sister, can be very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. Hallelujah. America in heaven right now is known as Babylon the Great. Not every nation having had received such a high a calling or name to be an evil. The Babylonian was. There were other nations now in the last days of America. America has become Babylon the Great. My brother and sister. It was not so so, but it's what she had become, because the Bible said that she had become. She had become. It's something that she became on her own. The people living in this nation, what do you understand when you say she had become? Uh, she has become the uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it says it used to not be, but it sounds like it's just something recently, something that just happened. Sounds like. Because yeah. it says she has become. <laughs> so, so it's like she wasn't, but then now she is. Mm-hmm. You know. Amen. Yeah. Now she is, you know. So she is now. Yeah. She has become a home for demons. A prison for unclean, unclean spirit. 
I praise him for every unclean hater bird. But look at the word here that we are ignoring here, out of all these two words, mm. prison. Prison. Okay? They do a lot of testing with prison, especially in this nation. In prison. Yeah. And prison is a very important in this nation, many nations. Mm-hmm. But to imprison spirits, to imprison unclean hater birds, they that's that's what Area fifty one is, a prison. The prison. That's where they're being held. There are other places like Area 51, but it's an example. Area 51 is just an entrance to the prison. So they have a thousand feet below the earth, or fifteen hundred feet in some area. It's a prison. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, sister. It's a prison. They have imprisoned these spirits and demons. The Bible says. The nation in the last day that had these things in prison is Babylon. United States have these things in prison. The Lord took me to the prisons. I saw them in prison. They can't get out. There's a time when they're going to get out. And that time is almost here. They want to get out. They've been in prison. They're going to get out. My brother insisted. Think about it imprisoning these things, holding them captive, but they're going to get out. They're going to get out. A prison for unclean spirit, a prison for unclean hated birds, a nation that will have them in prison is America. For all the nations have drunk in the wine of God's fury. So she have affected now all the nation, Brother Tony. What do you think? Yeah. It's pretty clear, you know, that it says uh, all nations have become drunk, you know, um, because of her, because of her, because of her, um, because of her wine, right? Mm-hmm. So others, nations have been affected, you know. Usually they say when the leader falls, their their members also, most of them also fall. So it's like, you know, it's like. It was a good example. It started well, but then, you know, like it says there, it was, you know, um, it's, you know, since that fall, it's fallen. You know, many other nations went the same way. Other. Um, now, what do you understand when God said that they have become drunk? Because remember what drunk means. Mm-hmm. When a person is drunk, that's why a person legally is not allowed to drive drunk. Mm-hmm. It's not using the fi- it's not using the brain fully so it can easily lose control and i know a lot of people will say well i know drunken people that have driven for many years never gone into a car accident they don't lose control drunken people usually lose control that is that yeah. you know yeah drunken people usually get in car accident mm-hmm. or get into fight in the bars Easily, people can do foolish things. And you're being controlled by a substance. You're being controlled by that, but it's being controlled by the alcohol. So, yes, you know, you're not really. It's not really you. It is, you know, it's you, but you're being you're being controlled. You know, it's like the alcohol's taking over you. It's like, you know, it's like more than what you can. It's going more controlling. You know, it's controlling the person. So, 
Amen. Thank you, Lord. And that's how it is. That's how it seems here when it says, you know, drunken. Um, it says that the nation have come, become drunken with her wine. If that means that the nations are losing control because of her? Yeah, it could mean, it does mean that, you know, um, drunken with her wine. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Amen. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Like Amen. So we we need to take this that God is telling us here mm-hmm. to the heart. Yeah. And know that we need to be careful. Mm-hmm. Because what is that wine is a question. Usually it represents worldly pleasure, right? Wine. Wine. Yeah. Yes. People when they conquer something or they open a wine bottle, like in, like in the end of the NBA when the team win, they yeah. open the wine. NFL the same thing. Yeah. Baseball the same. They go home and, and open the wine, right away. Yeah. So, it drawn represent wine represents like a celebration, mm-hmm. victory. Yeah. So all these nations have become drunk with her wine. And God fury had caused her by her whoring, which whoring is a horrible, horrible word because it comes from, the, from, from prostitution. Yeah. I mean, she's prostituting herself mm-hmm. with all these nations. Okay? Yes, the king of the earth went whoring with her, and from the restrained love of luxury, the world businessmen have grown rich. Then I heard another voice out of heaven say, my people, come out of her. Now, God can, can you know, God have mercy with all. But look how God now is saying to, 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 to his people specifically, come out of her. Come out of her, yeah. You know, why his people? Yeah, he said, did that say that? Yeah, my people. My people come out of her, um, her system, you know, um, anything that is of the world. I feel convicted that we shouldn't be part of anything that is of the world. Um, you know, certain things, I believe, you know, like uh, the con- there's a certain conviction in us when we know we shouldn't participate in certain things. You know, that's because it's of the world and it's not pleasing to God. Um but it, yeah, it's just my people, you know. That's that's us, you know. It's like when we were playing basketball, yeah. And and you know we 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 play good. There were days that we would win. Oh yeah. There were days we we were celebrating. There were other days we didn't win. But you know we we were coming out with a good team ourselves. Yeah. And we were planning to play more basketball and all that. But then there were people of the world who started swearing, horsing. Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying is that it's not a bad word. It's evil word. Mm-hmm. Because if people are in darkness, they practice evil. It's what they do. And I always have said this for so many years because I used to teach young, young men in, in the church. And I used to tell them this. 
You know, you're speaking bad words. No, it's not what it's evil word. You're copying the evil of other people into your language, and you're practicing the same, which is not pleasing unto the Lord. We should never copy evil and or do evil, my brother and sister, because we're children of the light, not of the darkness. For that reason, we've been separated unto God. Now, one thing Father showed me in this revelation this past Sunday was that he's in control and that he has, he has hold of us in his hand. I can see all of us in the hand of Father. He has the whole wide world in his hand. Our lives are in his hand. And, and he was holding us in his hand. I could see Father's hand holding us in his power. When he brought me in, I have you in my hand, my son. Like, I have you. you I'm not going to lose you. The, the world cannot take you away from me because I'm... But then, see, God will ask us to be obedient. And then God wants us to be... You know, I know the Lord's been pleased since he told me not to go to the park anymore because a demon will be swearing, will, they will make you sin, he says to me. I said, Lord, okay, I won't go no more. I haven't gone back again. I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to play basketball, keep myself in shape, playing basketball, running, makes me lose weight, makes me, you know. So that's what, that's the reason I was thinking to do it. But now I know that, you know, and then I'm thinking maybe I need to eat less. I need, I need to keep myself, as much as I can, try to keep myself in shape because health-wise is, is, is advisable, you know. But we're so close to going home. It's better to stay close with the Lord. Mm-hmm. My brother and my sister, it's important that we stay close with him. It's just, you, you can see how fast the days are going by. We were, excuse me, we were in the beginning of the year a few months ago. January. We're in October. Months have gone by so fast. We were planning last year for this summer. Summer's already gone. We might be planning for the winter. And, you know, it's just everything is so fast. But I understood in this revelation of Father, he's about to bring us in. In. Whoever's in the hand of Father now, secure, is coming in. He's bringing us in. My brother insisted. Which also, him bringing me close to his throne, I was telling Brother Tony, about that the Lord had revealed to Brother Larry, remember, that in the day of the rapture, when we come home, there's going to be a celebration in the third heaven first planning. And there's going to be another celebration in the third heaven third level where Father is. Okay? Those that are ready to go to the third level in the rapture, when they come into the first revelation to see their family, to sell gifts and all that, then Father has another celebration prepared for us that he wants us to come in, but not everyone will be able to come to that one. Only those that are ready, Father, told little Larry. Remember Larry saying it to me, I said, I'm going to see that. I want to make sure I'm ready for that one yeah. from the Lord. So please seek more of God. Yeah. Seek to be ready for the revela- celebration with Father because it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Houses in the third heaven, Toledo are made of diamonds. 
a whole diamond carved into a house beautifully where people dwell in. You don't have that in the third heaven, first planet, only in the third level, third planet. You're going to see amazing thing up there. I've seen it. And I tell you, it's amazing. You do not want to miss that place. Prepare for those that love him. Things that I have not seen, years have not heard, are the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Get ready. Get ready. Seek for more. Seek for more from the Lord. Say to the Lord, Lord, I want to come to that second celebration. Because I believe when Father brought me in and I was standing there, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be in that. No, me thinking I'm going to be in that third. I mean, I knew it for a while that he was going to bring me there. But, you know, it's awesome to know that I, I can still come to that celebration. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always shaking myself with the Lord. Something I do that it may get some people annoying. Because, no, you're right, brother. Just, just, you know, in our rightness, we can be prideful. Yeah. I learned that. The only way, see, Paul said to Timothy, to seek himself to be an approved. And that approvement is God saying to you, you're right. Yeah. Yes, you may come in. Yeah. Imagine someone thinking that they're right and then finding out that they're not. Mm-hmm. Our, our heart, the Bible says, can deceive us. Yeah. When you think you're right and you're not, God says, no, no, you're not. So please, seek yourself to be approved by God. If you want to know if you're ready to be going to that celebration, ask the Lord. Wait to hear from the Lord. Fast and pray and ask the Lord, Lord, am I ready for that third heaven, third level celebration? Because I want to come to that one. Lord, I don't want to miss that one. Yes, we're going to receive many gifts in the the first planet, but so will be in the third. Some people, just to get to the third level, you know how many years they're going to take? One case I know is 20 years. One case I know. There might be cases that could be 100, 200 years. Only the Lord knows how many years. But some people will take long waiting, you know. And I know some people say, but in heaven, 20 years, what is 20 years in heaven? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a day of breeze. But let me tell you, still when, you had, when other people went forward to enjoy it, you still have to wait. You know, you're like, you know, I really want to go there. Yeah. So please. It's easier on earth to, to seek for this than in heaven. In heaven, the way you arrive, and that way, if you need to go to the testing center to be tested to remove things from your life, yes, it, it's, but you still got to go. And you got to go through the process. And then once you're in the first level, third planet, first level, you got to go to the second planet. That's years to go there, and then years to go to the third. It's a process. It's the way it is. And all that, we can be cleansed of all that down here. Yeah. But some people don't like the trial. They ask the Lord to do it, but once the Lord put them to a trial, they cry like babies. Mm-hmm. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. My pastor always say, never ask God 
to take away your trial. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Never ask God to take away your trial, but ask God, ask God to help you through the trial, and God will do so. God will help you through the trial. God will bring you through it. Just humble yourself before him and ask him to help you to make it through your trial, your tribulation, your testing. Remember that no temptation comes from God, but it comes even from your own mind, your own thinking. James says that our own desire. What do you desire for? What do you want? Be careful because you can be going through, through things out of your own desire. The God don't want you to be going through it. God wants us to be free in him, free in Christ. Bible says, who the Son set free, they're free indeed. If you feel like you're not free, you need to ask the Lord to set you free. And let me tell you, I know some people like preacher to pray over them, lay hand on them. But when Jesus comes and lay hand on you, you're truly going to be free. You can ask the Lord, Lord, will you please come down? I'm going to fast and pray so you can come and lay hand on me, Lord. And when Jesus comes and lay hand on you, say, Lord, set me free. You said in your way, you, you came to set the captive free. He didn't say, I'm going to send a pastor to set you free. No, he himself will set you free. Ask the Lord to say, I asked the Lord myself one time. And when he came, my Lord, my God, he truly set me free. Whom the Son set free, it is free indeed. That's what we want. That's what we need. Please see this of God. I know the church told you you can go to a man for it. It's not the same. I'm going to tell you a testimony. If you seek this from a man and that man is not right with us, you may get things from that man that you don't want to have, that the devil can use you and accuse you of. For someone laying hand on you, who have things in their life that are not of God? There are people with things that are not of God in their life that should not be laying hand on people. Those are the first people going around laying hand on people. Those are the people that love to go around laying hand on people. And they should not be doing so because they are not totally free. They may have even demons. They may have habits of spirit in their life of things that they should not be doing. I had a man one time lay hand on me. And then later on he confessed something he had in him that I felt that when he laid hand on me the first time. And I'm like, what is this? And then he confessed to me something bad he was doing in secret. And I'm like, oh, no. I felt it when he laid hand on me. He should not lay hand on me. My brother insisted. But he used to love to lay hand on people. And through the hand that evangelist, the Lord taught me so much. My brother and sister, I cannot describe here on the air what he was doing in secret. Okay? Loss of the flesh, let's call it. Yeah. And when he laid hand on me, I felt it. I felt the spirit of loss tempting me. 
after he lay hands on me. It was not tempting me before until he lay hands on me and it, you know, he boosted our spirit to tempt me. And I was struggling with that. And then all because he laid hand on me. And he was not right with God in that area. And I learned. I learned to struggle. I learned through falling, because sin is falling. And that's why I advise people. You need to be careful who pray for you. Don't let anyone, don't be asking people to lay hand on you. Just because they say they're a minister, they're an evangelist, they're a pastor, they're, they're an apostle, they're this or that. You know who you should be asking if they should lay hand on you, the Lord? Lord, should I ask this person to lay hand on me? The Lord will let you know. Someone, sister was sharing with me last week of this woman praying for her and then her being attacked. And I said, oh, wow, you see? Cannot be having people to pray for you. There are people that are not ready to pray for anyone. They need to be prayed for. They need to be set free of things, you know? And then they go around, oh, I pray for you. No, 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 no. I'm very careful with that. For years, and some people have criticized me for that. It doesn't make me better than anyone. We're all in, in this, seeking the Lord together. But the Lord teaches us through our mistakes. I made my mistakes so many times. The other one, I didn't, I didn't want to keep doing it, you know? When you fall... And then you're able to get up again. You don't want to keep doing the same thing because you, you're falling, you know. Right. And you you cry out. You're repenting to the Lord. Lord, I'm so sorry for this or that. I should have not done that. I should have not made the decision. Because every decision we make to sin, when we sin, we sin. But then to get up again, sometimes it's so hard. It's so difficult, you know. But then when you cry out to the Lord and you and you learn that the Lord is always there for you, and you sincerely repent, and you fast, and you pray, Lord, I want to please you. I want to serve you. I want to be holy and righteous like you, Lord. Help me, Jesus. Cry out to him for that. I shared when the Lord stopped me from falling. Demon came to tempt me in the middle of the night, and Jesus stopped me from sinning because of that demon. I, oh, Lord, thank you. We need to ask the Lord to stop us from falling, even in our sleep. The Lord can keep us from falling. Bible says He's able to keep us from falling. So if He's able, why are we not asking Him to help us? Because of pride. Believe it or not, we have not, because we ask not. Why don't we ask? Because we're pride. Yeah. Pride is keeping us from spending hours in prayer. Pride, nothing else. Pride is what's keeping us from asking. Am I going to spend all my, all my life asking if that's the will of God? Yes. Because we're here to do the will of God. Jesus spent all his life praying. What did he need? He was God. What did he need to pray so much to teach us? Jesus could have said, I'm not going to pray. I'm God. And he prayed all night. <laughs> but he prayed all night. Yeah. But he could have said, I'm God. Was he wrong? He is God, God the Son, yeah. But he, he taught us a lesson now. He could have said, I'm the Son of God, I don't need to pray. Forget about that. I want to do something. Let's go party. 
He had the fast. You know, he did yeah. quite the fast thing. You know, he, he, he could have opened a wine and celebrate all day long. <laughs> but he didn't. No. He's a great example. You know, he didn't think of saying, I'm God. And he could have said it. And no one could have rebuked him for that. Because <laughs> he was God. He is God. He is God. But he, you know, teaching us right. Teaching that holiness and righteousness and right standing with God, he has to he did it to teach us an example. So no one has an excuse. That's why God doesn't lead people to hell. He leads people to heaven, but people lead themselves into hell with the decision they make. Yeah. My brother and sister. I remember the sister. She was dying. The Lord asked her to stop smoking. And stop swearing. She was sinning all the over. Different sin. She believed in witchcraft. But we stopped, told her to stop the nonsense. That he was the real God. He wanted to save her. She ended up believing in all the lies. She went to hell. The Lord showed me her in hell. Show her, show my pastor wife her in hell too. First in me. She didn't need it to end it up there. It was out of her own choice. God spoke to her. My brothers and sisters. People make that choice. Jesus told me this. We were both standing in the entrance of hell. And he told me that those people that were there was by their own, they, they made their own decision. See? He, he didn't make them make those decisions. So this is why I make good decisions, my sister, my brother. Let's make good decisions for God. Let's choose the word of God. Let's ask him to help us. He knows we struggle. I know I struggle. To be holy and righteous every day, you know, in a sinful world is difficult. But then what did, what did God say that we should do? Strive, asking him with all our mind, all our heart, all our understanding for help. Yeah. I go into prayer and I say, Jesus, please help me. Lord, Help me. And I don't want to forget never to ask for help. Because if I don't ask for help, I'm being prideful. I need to humble myself like a baby to the Lord and say, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. They are being dependent on him. Not on my own knowledge or my own understanding. Now I'm not going to say, well, I've been to heaven several times. So, so what does that mean? Is that going to get you to heaven? Only Jesus can get me to heaven. My brothers and sisters, we got to ask him for help. We need to ask him. Well, let me tell you the other part that the God showed me this week. We were in heaven, my brothers and sisters, in the park of the Lord Tower. And we were talking about how soon, how sooner than what we thought the rapture came about. I see. I can see my brother Tony and other brothers and sisters in the parking heaven, and we were having this conversation. That the, and we were in a glorified body. Let me tell you, glory body, the body of my brother Tony really wants. Yeah, I want that body. I don't know. See, he's only twenty-eight, right? He's young, yeah. and he really wants a glorified body. Yeah. And I look at him. And I'm like, he's young. He's strong. He exercises every day. He's in good health. He still wants a glorified body. Mm-hmm. Shalom, brother Miguel. 
a, I just know that's a perfect body. That's all. And, you know, I know that the body, because the Bible talks a lot about, you know, he's going to transform my body. And, you know, uh, so we should all be looking forward, you know, to that to that glorified body. And I know the Lord wants us to have that, you know, in us, desiring it, desiring that new body, that, you know, purity, that uh, holiness, because that's what the body is. It, it's just holy, you know. It, it's a holy body. It's what it is. And it's pure, and, you know. You don't sin in that body, you know. Um, you know. So you always keep yourself in good shape. Yeah. Yeah, always. Uh, yeah, you. it's the glory. It's, I see it as the glory of God in that body. It's full of the glory of God, and it's. it's I'm. I'm really looking forward to it, and I know. <laughs> the I know power. The yeah. power. You know the power. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they said our man lost power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they say, Amen. I understand my brother Miguel looking forward to the glorified body because he had children. He wants to be playing around with them. But also, my brother Miguel is young too. Yeah. He's a young man. So. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Lord. Glad to see you here, Brother Miguel, too. Amen. So we're looking forward to that. We're looking forward to it. So we went to Lord's Hour Park in heaven this week, and we were talking about how soon the rapture came about. Like it, it's happened. So so quick. Remember the Lord said that the rapture will be sooner than what we think. I asked my brother Tony, Brother Tony, what do you think? You know? Because I, I, I still haven't received an answer from anyone yet about why do we think it's so, why do we think, why don't we think like the Lord about the, the rapture? Because it's, it's, it's giving us the, the biblical sign. You know, like, you got the sign. And, and we got the sign in the word. Why is it so difficult for us to be in tune with the sign? Yeah. I wondered about that. It's something that has been, like, in, like people's in the back of my mind. Yeah. Why are we not in tune with the sign? Mm-hmm. Because the Lord said it will be sooner than what we're thinking. So what is it that we're thinking? Mm-hmm. You know? Even when he says that my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, so what does that mean? Yeah, that says a lot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, there's more plans for us than what we can think. We know that he's in eternity, though. Yeah. But he's also here with us. At the same time. He's not so far away from us. Like the Lord revealed to me that he's in us, and everything that we feel, he feels. Yeah, yeah, I know that. <laughs> so yeah. explain that, brother, don't you? Yeah, it's, uh, he knows. He knows exactly how we feel every moment of the day, even when we. That's how I see it. It's like every move I make. It's like he's he's, he's, he's he is in us, like the Bible says. Um, you know, he's in our in our. So house. wait a minute. So you're telling me that if a young single man, a young single lady, wants to get married right now in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Really wants to get married. Jesus feels the same way. He wants to get married. Well, no, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. I, I didn't say it like that. But I meant. Well, he wants to get married too. <laughs> yeah, he does want to get married. Yeah, yeah, he wants his bride up there. You know, he wants. He wants. Uh, uh, 
his, you know, his bride to be with him because we're his body. You know, we're him. And, what, and, what about if someone wants to really get married right now? Really? If, if the person feeling what Jesus is feeling in their heart and their, in their body because he wants to really get married with the bride, and some people that are single maybe are getting the same feeling because he's in them. Yes, that's good. <laughs> that is good. Um, are you picking up his feeling? Like right now he feels so, he feels he's bright right now, right? Mm-hmm. And there are people that want to feel the same way, but might be a misunderstanding the feeling. Yeah. Could that be happening? Yeah. First of all, you know, our desire, our desire should be the Lord's desire, you know, um, for the Lord. Above all, it's got to be the Lord, you know, because if the Lord's not there in anything. Well, I don't want to say that the desire is bad, uh-huh. because if it's like a fire in you mm-hmm. to wanting to be a Mary, yeah. then that could be coming from the Lord. It's not bad. It's, it's, oh, it's, it's, yeah. No, yeah, that does come from him. You know, yeah, you're right. Um, to get married, like, to get married here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that can definitely come from the Lord, yeah, because that's how created in the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, husband and, and wife. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, for sure. Because I seen the Lord in heaven not long ago. The bride was standing in front of him, the bride of Christ. And I saw Jesus looking at her straight into her eyes and love her, and she was looking at him. Mm-hmm. Like the Bible says, fix your eyes in Jesus. Yeah. So her eye was fixed on her, and he was fixing her was fixed on him and him on her. Yeah. But it was like without even blinking. Oh, man, that that is first love. <laughs> and she yeah. looked pure and white with a white dress, oh. beautiful dress. He had this wedding garment, beautiful garment, yeah. and they were both looking at each other. And I'm looking like 10 feet away, both of them. Mm-hmm. And I actually walked up to the bride and gave her a kiss. He allowed me to do this in heaven. But it was, you know, I would say holy kiss. It was like, mm-hmm. but, you know, how do I explain this? It's so beautiful. Love is so beautiful in God. Because we think we love him more, but we <laughs> think he loves us more. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time I share this here, but, you know, because I don't want people to misunderstand that. Because some people do misunderstand things you say. Mm-hmm. You know, the wedding of the Lord is holy. holy. It's pure. Is something ordained by Father. That's why in, in Matthew 22, the beauty of the wedding is that Father is the one that ordains the wedding. Yeah. Okay? He says, when he talks about the parable of the kingdom, he says, who made a marriage for his son. This king is Father. My brother and sister, this king is father who has arranged a wedding for his son with a pure bride, 
okay, who is soon I'm going to marry him, you know? Yeah. It's like when, when I was in the throne of the Lord inside with the wedding celebration with the bride is, as I'm looking at the bride in that room, and I look, I go into a mirror in heaven, and then this mirror, like the bride went into a chamber, a chamber, which is significant of the bride going into the chamber, because Isaiah says, "Come into thy chamber, unto the indignation pass." What's the indignation, brother Tony? It's uh, uh, tribulation. Huh? The great tribulation. Like it never been again, like it never will be again. Like it never been before and it will be again. That indignation, as I saw the bride, she was beautifully dressed. She went into the room. And, you know, you're always so curious, like, why? But once I follow her, I remember it was something that I said to her that, like, offended her. And God was teaching me to be in careful with words. Whatever we say, even here on the air, you know, that's why I say I'm sorry to my brothers and sisters. I apologize. I'm always being careful. Some people say, why are you always apologizing, brother? You're speaking the word. When you speak the word, you should not be apologizing. No, no. no wait a minute. If I'm offending you, I should be saying I'm sorry to you. You're my brother. You're my sister. And I have to respect you for who you are in the Lord. You are no less. But you are a great beloved in God. So I have to respect that. And if the Lord sees that and respecting his bride, to the, that pleases the Lord. Because that's what he wants. So I said something to the bride that offended her. And then the Lord had me go in. I went up to the bride to say I'm sorry, but she ran into the, into the chamber. When I ran into the chamber and I, look in the, I was looking for the bride, but then I saw a mirror and I looked. And I saw the bride in the mirror, and it was me. You know, we can also be offended with what people say, with what people do. And the Bible says, blesses he who is not offended in the Lord. Have you read that one? Yeah. Now, what does that mean to you? Offended. Yeah. Being offended. Uh, that's what the Lord said about uh, John when he questioned the Lord, right? And mm-hmm. then he blessed the same who doesn't find, uh, who's not offended in me. Mm-hmm. So offense can come in different ways. You know, it can come through doubt. It can come through, uh, that's how I see it. Um, offense, you know, it stops the, the moving of God in us. You know, that's, that's pretty, that's how I see it because of, like, unforgiveness, offense. That can also be. Uh, that's how I see it. Also, offense is anything, you know. That, you know, that's how I see it. Offense, it, it stops the, you know. Proverbs says it's harder to win an offended brother than a strong city. Their rights are like the bars of fortress. Yeah, uh, that's the word offense. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty clear there. <laughs> <laughs> it is hard to. Yeah. To win an offended brother, why is it so hard, brother Tony? Yes, I think we've all experienced. I've experienced that, and it is hard. It, it gets, and uh, you know, 
you have to sometimes, like me, you have to go to the Lord for, for help, you know, like, Lord, help me, you know, because sometimes people say things to you that it hurts, you know, it hurts you, you know, we, I don't know, um, it, it is very difficult, I know I've experienced it, I think most of us have, um, but when, you know, you have to, you, uh, you have to really go to the Lord for that sometimes, you know, because it's, it, t- it tends to overcome us a little, bit, you know, in the flesh, because it's it's part of the flesch we get we get we get offended, but that's why we go to the Lord, you know, and for help. That's what I did in my, um, Amen. you know, and when something like that happens, in terms of like whenever they 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 hurt us, right? Um, that's we have to, we have to take action. We do like me. I have to take action, even though if the person was wrong, I have to still take action and. And, uh, you know, and uh, forgive, you know, and and, and I had, it was my responsibility. I'm responsible, you know, because I didn't want to hold anything toward that person. But I needed the Lord help, you know, and he did in many different occasions. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. But I've noticed that any unforgiveness toward anyone, it, it, it stops. It stops the, it stops you from growing in, in God. Mm-hmm. Um, it really does. You you don't grow whenever because he, the Lord was clear when he said, uh, you know, if you don't forgive your brother, neither will your father forgive you. You know, so mm-hmm. it's pretty clear. You, it's and I noticed that too. You don't you don't grow spiritually whenever you hold something towards someone. You know, whenever especially on forgiveness. You know. You know, and it's easy to be offended. Yeah, it is easy to be offended. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to tell people back in 2012 when we started the Lord's Hour, I said, if I offended you, uh, please forget me and let me know. Mm-hmm. I, I used to say that a lot, and it worked out with a lot of people. But then when I stopped saying it, some people got offended. Mm-hmm. Like they wanted me to keep saying it. Then, But once in a while I come on and I say, I'm sorry if I have offended you. Please forget me. Remember, I'm human. And um, I'm a son of God in a human body, and I'm going to make mistakes, you know. And, and you know, I'm not going to say we're not perfect, but I'm neither going to claim that we are. You know, we are in the Lord perfectly made. Yeah. You know, we are perfect in the Lord's. But we, so for some reason, we still make mistakes in an in this broken world. But we are we are perfectly made in the Lord. God did not make a mistake when he made us. There was nothing lacking when God made us. My brother and my sister. And when we go to heaven, that's what's going to show who we are in God. The God never made a mistake. You know, there are things that it's hard for us to, in this broken world, to get a hold of, but we just got to ask the Lord to help us. Every day, you know, but never call yourself a nobody. Never call yourself garbage. Believe that you are special in Jesus. You are special in the Lord. When the Lord revealed this to me, that we are special in him, I, I, it really changed my thinking on how you grow up in, in, in life, you know, thinking that you're not special, this and that, negative stuff, and that you hear from your family, from people, from school, from the system, from the community, 
But when you come to the Lord and you, and you spend time with the Lord one-on-one and you walk with the Lord for years, he began to teach you that we are special to him. He made us special. That this broken life is the one telling you that you're not. The devil wants to tell you that you're not special, but each one of us are. You know, you know what makes you special and unique in God? There's only one of you in all creation. You see, if you are lost, something, someone special is lost. The devil knows this. God knows more than this than anybody else, but the devil also understands this, that every single human being is special in God. He made us in his image and likeness. Special. And none of us are the same. Each one of us are unique. You know, with the, all these supercomputers that are coming out with now, when they look into everyone's DNA, they keep finding out that everyone is different. That's why the bicin could not work, because the bicin was made from, from the testing of a few human beings. And they thought that it would work on anybody else the same. And that's why so many people are being sick with the bicin because it was made for certain humans, but not for other humans, because every single human is different. And that's why some people are even killed when they are injected with the vaccine immediately, because their body do not, cannot receive it, because they are made specially different. We are, each one of us are different, my brother, my sister. Don't let anyone compare you to nobody. Because in all that creation, there's only one of you. You are special. Okay? In the Lord, and the Lord loves you. Remember Jesus telling me, he telling them that they're special, my children. Because they are. He wants people to know that they are. Because as long as you know that you are, that you are beloved of him, you can come to him in humility. You can come to him knowing that he will receive you and he will help you to make it through. He'll give you an anointing that will bring you through. Remember when he showed me that we'll be oil on this program for us to make it through. That there will be people running for two different programs to listen to different preachers. But he says, he showed me that if they stay here, he will have sufficient oil to help us make it through. There's an anointing in this oil enough in this program that the Lord has given us for each and one of us to make it through to heaven. My brother and sister, a lot of people don't know this, but Jesus told me this. And not only told me this, he showed me this. In the spirit we were standing, he showed me himself as a fountain of oil of God. And from that fountain, he was feeding us in this program when he explained this to me, to me years ago. I was, I was thinking, how am I going to explain this to my brothers and sisters? But I, I come to the understanding that I cannot explain it all. I can only do my best to tell you, and it's going to take you to go to the Lord for confirmation. And Jesus is willing to confirm it to you. The Holy Spirit is willing to take you there. Some people have prayed and said, Lord, Confirm to me what Brother Alvi is saying. And then the Lord takes them in and they're like, wow, Lord. The Lord will confirm it. Some other people don't care to ask. But for the things that you don't care, that you should care, you should always care for your spiritual life in the Lord. 
your spiritual walk with him. My brother, my sisters, sufficient oil for us to make it through. Jesus will bring us through, my brother, to the other side. And one of the revelations he showed me last also was not long ago, we have finished the race in heaven, and we turn around. I was there, I believe it was my brother Miguel and I and another brother, which I believe was Brother Tony, because I know it was a male. I saw his body, but I could not see his face completely right away. I put a face to the body, and now I see my brother. And I remember, because it was someone the Lord was showing me that I would meet and that I will be close with. And, and this is why when I saw my brother Tony in heaven the other day, twice I seen him already. Right? Wow. It was the, the body I saw that I could not put our face to it because the Lord said it was like, you're going to meet him, you're going to be close to him. And I will wonder who I was. Well, in this revelation, Brother Miguel and I were in heaven and Brother Tony. We had come to the end of the race. And we and I said to Brother Miguel and Brother and Brother Tony, can we turn around back and help our brothers and sisters in the end of the race? And they both agree with me and say, Yes. Let's go back, Brother Elvin, help them. As we were turning back, Jesus was on our right hand standing. And the Lord looked at us and smiled. And with tear on his eyes, he says, Thank you. It really touched my heart for Jesus to say thank you. He's thanking us for helping others to finish the race. My brother and sister, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. We, we want more people to make it through. We cannot force anyone. It's not by force. It's not by mind. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. We need the Holy Spirit in this in our daily life. Ask the Lord every day. After you do your prayer, after you repent your sin, say this to the Lord. Repent for offending the Holy Spirit unto the day of salvation. Then say, Lord, fill me more with your Holy Spirit. Ask him to fill you more. The Bible says in the book of Acts that they, they saw more, the disciples Look for more of the unfilling of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God says. They keep asking for the unfilling of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. Why? Don't you wonder why? Why? Why they were seeking for more? Because the Holy Spirit empowers us to work, to finish this race. He empowers us. To finish his race. He knows the way. You know? And so we need to, my brother and sister, depend on the help of God. What did Jesus tell his disciple? In the mighty Bible study of Jesus and the disciple. When he says that with God, all things are possible. What he was saying, brother Tony? Yeah, he, uh, uh, it was in that same passage, I believe, when he said, "With man, it's it's impossible, but with God, all with God, all things are possible." It's um, yeah, it clearly says it's all. You know, it says with God, all things are possible. It didn't say few or 
But why did he, why did he need to teach them that? Yeah. What was so important that he needed to explain to them? Because so they will learn to depend on God. Mm-hmm. You know? Because yeah. I was saying before, you feel good when you have money in your bank account. Don't you feel good? Well, I'm making this up. No, you're not making You it. feel good. You feel confident when you have money in your bank account. Yeah. Do you feel the same when you have nothing? Can you feel the same when you have nothing? Usually not the same, but it should be that the, it should be like the attitude we're talking about, the attitude of Job. You know, when he was still seeking God, he loved God the same as when he was as when he had nothing. You know, he he was rich, he was seeking God. You know, so we, he was not so happy because he had all that money. Yeah, no, money it wasn't in his heart. You know, you could tell that it was he was seeking God even in his even in his uh, you know in brokenness, even when he had nothing. You know. He still sought God the same, you know, probably even more when he had nothing. Even when he lost everything, he worshipped God. Yeah. Can you still worship God without anything? Oh, that's too hard for you. God is asking you for too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, the word of God is it, just there, it's so clear. Yeah. You know, and and he trusted the Lord in his affliction. He served God. He committed himself to God. He ended up coming closer to God at the end of the affliction. Yeah. Because he said that before he heard him, but now my eye sees you. Mm. He came to the... What do you think about that one, Brother Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's good because it does say, you know, uh, I have heard of you, you know. I have heard of you, but not that my eye see you. <laughs> you know, that changes everything. He came to the greater revelation yeah. of God. In his affliction. But then God rewarded him. Yeah. And what did he do? Yeah. He doubled or tripled what he had, right? And so it means he gave him more than what he was expecting. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. So every time you think that you're going to lose everything and you're going crazy, some people, uh, um, I heard a testimony of a brother, and I don't advise you to do this, but he was going through such a hard testing in his life, trial, that he went and bought a rope, tied it on a tree, and threw himself down, put it around his neck and threw himself down. But he was lost. He didn't know Jesus when he did this. And before the rope broke, or before Jesus broke the rope, Jesus told him, give your life to me and serve me. And I will bless you. And that he only had but a few seconds with the rope tightening his neck, hanging, okay, to make the decision. And then he says, yes, Lord, I will serve you. And the rope broke right there at the very moment. And he dropped to the floor, alive, and was able to take off the rope and go home. But uh, he received Jesus right there hanging on the rope. And those very second, my brothers and sisters, the grace of God is sufficient. Yeah. And, and I remember him testifying, and I'm there like, I didn't know that God takes it to that level. I didn't know that God takes it to the level that someone can be killing themselves and God still offers them salvation at the very moment. Yeah. You know, you think about it, someone's going to kill themselves, it's over. That's it, it's over. Mm. 
and God can still at that very moment save the person and the person repent. He said, I'm sorry to that right there. Remember like the sister who, who I went to minister to, driving in the highway, 93 North, the car slipped us in the air. She was backsliding. She said, I'm sorry to Jesus to repent and to save her from the car accident. I think it only took two, three to four seconds in the air for the car to slip. slip. After he hit a metal guard, right, the car flipped in the air. And that flip, she was bending. Yeah. And the Lord forgiven her right there and saved her life. Mm-hmm. Amen. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I said, sister, explain that to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know what the Lord says? Get a hold of Elvi, uh, my son, and have him come and teach him my word. And she sent a message to my church. They were looking for me. Why, why? Well, the woman just come out of the hospital. She had a, a, a neck bracelet, arm. She had broken several ribs, broken her neck, her shoulder, broken many bones. It was something very serious. Even one of her sons ended up dying in the car accident. It was really, really bad car accident. But, you know, God is good. And his mercy endure forever. She was able to minister to her son before he passed away. You know, I spoke to one of them also. You know, it was God's grace is sufficient. Why wouldn't people quit on people and say, you know, it's over for you? God said, no, no, it's not over, not yet. The Lord is always interceding, intervening, being there for people. Yeah. Even when, when, when we give up. Because sometimes we give up on people. It's, it's a human, you know, it's a human thing to quit on people or quit on situations. When the situation gets really bad, sometimes we quit. But we want to quit. We want to say, you know, I think I had it with that. I'm not doing that anymore. But not, not the Lord, not the Lord. He doesn't quit on people. He's always willing to save them, rescue them and bring him into his kingdom. Because you know what? He's the only Savior. And everything that we're going through right now is temporary. Compared to the eternity, he's about to bring us in. Never-ending joy. Never-ending happiness. That's what I understood last week about the rapture when the Lord brought me into heaven. We were talking about the rapture, how soon it happens. And then I understood that if we compare the time we've been on the earth, even from the time the earth was made, compared to the place we're going, when we compare eternity to the age of the earth, it's like nothing. Nothing. And we'll look back to our time. You know, we're talking about the earth at what, 500 billion years old? I think it's 450 billion years old, 53. Well, compared to the time we've been here, we haven't been here 100 years yet. And we think it's long. We have some of us. I only been here 50, and we already think it's long compared to 450 billion years old. So when we get to heaven, when we look back and say, "And I thought it was thinking, well, it was nothing. That was really nothing." Yeah. Like the sign that says, "That was easy." <laughs> so keep looking forward to to being with the Lord. You know the hope of glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Keeping in your life. Remember that he'll stay in us with through holiness and righteousness. 
if we decide to sin or, or, or be like Israel, let, let, I want to show you this quickly. I don't want to forget this. Number 11. I want to take you there. I want to read this to you. Because this really happened in this story as I was reading it. And I was thinking about the story because God wants us to think about the things of, uh, on high, the things above. Look at this. Number 11, verse 1. But let me read it from the King James because this is from the, I'll, I'll go back to it, but I want you to see. When the people complain, this is the children of Israel, with Moses in the wilderness, my brother and my sister, he's bringing Moses, Aaron, and Mary, bringing the people through the wilderness, right? Mm-hmm. Look what the people began to do. And when the people began to complain, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it. He, one, he was displeased. And the other thing is because he was listening to them. God is listening also to you and I. Every day, every second of the day, every hour. Be careful what you say. Please be careful. Don't be careless with your words. Try to be righteous in your speaking. And ask the Lord for help if you're having a hard time. Because we do it, sometimes we'll make a joke about something, and then it's like, we have to repent. Don't be careless in your word and your thinking and your desire. Have the mind of Christ. Have the heart of the Father. Jesus said, be ye thou perfect like the Father that is in heaven. Ask him that you want to be perfect like your Father. Ask the Lord you want to be holy like him. And ask, the, you want to be humble like the Holy Spirit. Please is important. So when the people complain, if they please the Lord, you know what this displease is? Genesis 6. It hurt the Lord that he had made man. That grieved, right? Yeah, it grieved him in his heart that he had made man. Like, I made this person. But it hurt me so much that I did. The Lord thinking. They pleased the Lord. And the Lord heard it when they murmur. And his anger was kindled. It's like a lamp, right? Like a, a, a candle. Yeah. Candle, yeah. And it, it, it lit it up right away. It was like litting up the wrong candle. But his anger was kindled. It's just like, you know, it's a sight of God that if we are righteous in our speaking, in our behavior, yeah. his anger will not kindle. Why is his anger kingdom against the world right now? Infuriating. Yeah. Why? Because of sin. The only thing that pleases God is sin. Because didn't we read a, a verse that the Lord play with them? In the translation of the complete Jewish Bible, oh, there is a, remember the verse we were reading? Yeah, Proverbs, Proverbs 8, yeah. I, yes, yes, Proverbs 8, yeah. Proverbs 8. In the complete Jewish Bible, when he talks about, he played with, let me look it up. I know this is, this is so important. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. He's, he's giving up things that we're like, oh, man, he's so awesome. Thank you, Lord. I can't remember the verse. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But we know it's there. 
in Proverbs 8. Hallelujah. Okay, here it is. It, I, I can start it. Let me see. This is when, when wisdom said, he says, okay, Proverbs 8, 822, although nine made me in the beginning of his way, the first of the ancients work. I was, a, I was appointed before the world, before the start, before the, the earth beginnings, okay? When I was brought forth, there was no ocean depths, okay? No spring brimming with water. I was brought forth before the hills, before the fountains had settled in place, okay? He had not yet made the earth the field, even the earth first grain of dust. When he had established the heaven, I was there. When he drew the horizon circle of the deep, when he had set the skies above in place, when the fountains of the deep were poured forth, when he prescribed boundary into the sea, so, so that a water would not trespass his commandment, when he had made out of the foundation of the earth, I was with him of someone he could trust. Remember when we said that Father said that he only trusted Son and Holy Spirit. Well, we, there it is. For, for me, every day was pure delight as I play in his presence all the time. Remember God showing, I believe it was Mary Kay Bastard, that God loves children to play in heaven. It is important for the development of children to play. Some parents, when we were growing up, would say, you play too much. Go, go into your room and do this or that. Now, it's important for children to play. And when they come to heaven, God lets you play. I believe, this is my own opinion now, that the, the years that we should have played, when we come home, okay, we will be rewarded with those years. Because there's a part in the Bible that says that I will restore the years that the cockleworm ate. Remember that one? Never heard it yet. Yes. He said he will restore the years yeah. that we lost. Okay? Some of us are behaving a certain way. Okay? Because we, our parents did not give us enough time to play with our friends. And when I talk about play, play, playground, being in the playground, remember when Jesus took me to see my daughter Genesis, she was in the playground in heaven, playing with her friend all day long. And children who had not given by their parents time to play with their friends, you're not, I'm going to give you an example. Few children who have been given the blessing from their parents, whose parents have been Christians of God, men and women of God, to play enough, have become doctors and lawyers who care for society, who care, who care very well for people, and will defend and protect the poor and the widow. Okay? How come they are this way? Because their parents gave them that freedom, and out of that freedom burst love in the heart, and love is caring, and now they care for other people. But not giving children that opportunity, no love averse by hate. Some people want to love, but their hatred is so strong in them that we spend more time repenting for hatred than for love. Then they are down there. 
You notice when you're constantly repenting so much? If because things that comes out of you sometime in your own private thinking, you know they're not of God, and you say, God, where did this come from? Where did this behavior, this thinking, this feeling come from? It's not righteous. Not a proper child. Child who grow in the right way. And now that part of our life is healing. I remember when the Lord began to reveal me these things. You know what I began to ask the Lord? Heal me for from emotion, psychologically, mentally, my brother and sister. And, and as I asked the Lord to begin to heal me, body, soul, and spirit, I began to experience healing and in my own life. My brother and sister. Where I have been hurt by people and I can turn around and forgive them and love them. That's impossible to certain people. Certain people, if they get hurt, they they hate the other person right away. Stay away from me. I don't want to see you no more, they say. That person has not been healed yet completely. Because Jesus said we have to love our enemy. And we're in the process. But I know that when I begin to ask the Lord to heal me from unforgiveness toward other people, not being able to love other people, things like that, as he began the healing in my life, I've been feeling different, even toward other people. Instead of hating my enemy, I love them, and I can pray for them. You know when you can forgive someone? When you can pray for them. Because prayer is one of the most basic actions of love in your life. Can you pray for your enemy? Can you love and pray for your enemy? If you can pray for an enemy, you can love them. That's one. That's one. One of the basic actions of a Christian life. There are people that certain Christians cannot pray for because they hate them. When we should love our enemy, I question myself when I could not love certain evil people. Then I question my own love. Am I truly walking the walk? And then I began to repent, and I began to break generational curse in my own generational line. I said, Lord, I break this generational curse of a hatred in my family line. So my father and my mother side for a second, third, fourth, because he said he will visit the evil until the fourth generation. Back to an evil. I'm sorry, Jesus. Please forgive me. Please break this curse in Jesus' name. Through the cross, through the blood. In Jesus' name, break this curse of my generational life. Set a free of hatred. Help me to love my enemy, Lord. Love my neighbor as I love myself. You know why people cannot love their neighbors? Because they don't love themselves. They don't love themselves. My brother and sister, you know sometimes God forgives you, but you cannot forgive yourself. Another problem. You see what God has to meet us always halfway? We're full of problems. We're full of, of things that we need to be healed and restored for. Adam and even the garden were perfect. But after they sinned all the way to here, it's a bunch of mess that came to our life. A bunch of problems that we need to be healed 
And we need to identify them. Ask the Lord to show us. Show me, Lord, my shortcoming. Show me the things in my life that are not pleasing to you. Pray that every day and watch what happens. They'll begin to show you. You may not like what you're about to see. But then write that, Lord, help me to deal with this. I want to be healed, Lord. People focus always on the physical healing. Their soul is it's full of hurting, full, 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 full of things that they need to be healed for. And they keep focusing on the body, the body, the body, and the soul needs healing, the spirit needs healing. And they keep focusing on the body. When are you going to ask healing for yourself? When are you going to ask healing for your body, for, for, your, for your spirit? Your spirit is broken, and you keep asking for healing for your body. Ask the Lord to heal your broken spirit, your broken soul, your emotion. Psychologically, when you are hurt, when you are hurting psychologically, you can't think straight. You're full of thoughts in your mind that are not righteous. Ask the Lord to heal you from that. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? He will heal your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit, and you feel one with the Lord and peace with the Lord as a Christian. Not worry, not concern, and peace. You can hear bad news, it doesn't matter. I hear bad news, it doesn't bother me to pray with the Lord and seeking the Lord. Some people hear bad news, they're broken right away. They're torn into pieces because they need healing. Inside healing your heart needs healing your soul, your spirit, your mind, your emotion. Begin to fast for the Lord to heal these things in your life. And when he begins to heal all those things in your life, then you begin to understand the Christian life. To be in free, whom the Son set free, it is free in the end, the Lord. I've gone through this. I have helped other people to be healed. And they're doing much better than before, than when I met them. They didn't know this, this was part of the problem they were having. Be healed in the Lord. Ask the Lord. He wants us to be whole. Whole is body, soul, and spirit completely healed. Why should it be healed completely? Why are you not asking him? Always turn into the physical. It's like always turn into your pocket, your money. Focus on your spiritual life. Are your own person as you are in Christ. You are an individual in Christ. That finds personal relationship. Focus on being healed right now. You don't need to get to heaven in the rapture to begin the healing process. What are you going to get to heaven and say, all right, Lord, let's begin this healing process. Lord, you could have asked me down there. Why was you spending so much time on your cell phone and your television instead of asking me to heal you? You could have put your down on your cell phone and asked me. Spend a couple hours with me a day asking me to heal you. You you would have come completely healed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Instead of focusing on what you want, focus more on what God wants for you. His will, not mine, Jesus said. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Seek his will first. And every other thing will be added unto your kingdom of heaven first. Mm-hmm. 
Every other thing will be added unto you. He has so much to give to you. He will reveal you things that, will, that you'll be like, wow, incredible, I didn't know this. But you're missing that from him. You know the things he would have been giving you, revealing to you, bringing into your life? If, if you would have been healed, listen to this. Some people want to get marriage. They may not be ready for the next person to come into their life. Because if they're not healed, they're going to hurt the other person. God, God, bring this other person into my life. God, I want to be married. And God looks at you. If I bring you a person right now, if I bring you my son or my daughter into your life, you know what you're going to do? You're going to hurt them because you're not healed yet. You're not ready to love them or you're not ready to receive their love. There's a problem with healing. You may not be able to love someone or may not be able to receive love from someone. When you are hurt, hurting inside, psychologically, emotionally, body, soul, and spirit, you're not ready to receive love from someone, only from God. Who can minister you because he knows how? Other person, he will have to be God to be able to love you the way you want him to be loved. He will have to be God because only God can do that. Love the broken one without... Because people offend God every day. You think people are going to come in someone's life and take that offending with someone every day? But that's why there's so many divorce. If you want to be married and stay married, you want to be healed before you go into your marriage. You got to ask, Lord, am I ready to be married? Have you asked the Lord, Lord, am I ready to be married? You may be surprised if the Lord gives you a big N and a big O. But, Lord, I want to be married. But my son, my daughter, you're not ready. You're not ready. You're going to hurt this other person. Do you want to end up in divorce, my daughter, my son? No, Lord, I want to stay married. And then you're not ready because you're going to hurt that other person. You can now offend, and that person is going to go and file for divorce. That's what usually happens. If you want to be married, stay married. Ask the Lord to heal you so you can bring peace and love into your marriage. You can love one another in the Lord, as the Bible says. Love one another. Or it won't be loving one another. It will be arguing one another. It will be fine for them maybe a few months. Then later on it's all argument. Let's get a divorce. They'll say. You see? And the Lord, God does everything in order. When God began the priesthood with Moses, Aaron, and all them, he began to order their ways until they were ready to be priests. My brother insisted. Here in number 11, let me tell you, I'm going to read this to you now. I might ask Brother Tony to do it. Because when you go down here, you're going to notice how the story changes. It begins with one thing, and it goes to another, and they're still having the same problem because if you're not healed, the problem continues. Go ahead, begin to read it, brother. Read it. Okay. Uh, Numbers 11. And when the people complained, it it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed those who were in the uh, uttermost parts of the camp. What is that, the uttermost parts of the camp? Uh, Where did this fire reach out to? 
all the way to the ones that were outside, huh? The outer side. Yeah, but this was only standing outside looking. They were not even part of what was happening. Yeah, that's what The what fire got to them also? That's what it this looked pe- like, This yeah. potato? <laughs> okay, keep reading for two. And, uh, and the people cried out unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. And he called the name of the place Tabera, that is a burning, because the fire of the Lord burned among them. And the mixed multitude that was among among them fell to lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We were... Uh, We remember the fish which we ate in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. And the manna was a coriander seed in the color color thereof as the color of uh, dwellium. And the people went about and gathered and and gathered it and um, and grounded in mills, or or beaten in a mortar, and uh, and baked it in pans and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was like the taste of fresh oil. And when the dew fell upon the camp in, in the night, the manna fell upon it. Uh, then Moses heard the people uh, weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. And Moses said unto the Lord, Why hast thou afflicted thy servant? And why have I not found favor in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all these people upon me? Have I conceived all these people? Have I begotten them, that thou shouldest say unto me, Carry them in thy bosom, as a nursing father beareth the, the, the sucking child, unto the land which thou swearest unto their fathers? Hold on there a second. Uh, it sounds to me like Moses is having a hard time with the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, the, and and it was very difficult for him to deal with their disobedient behavior. Mm-hmm. Now it went from then murmuring now until a few days after lusting, totally forgotten what what they did a few days ago, and went back in this. If you're not healed in the Lord, if you if, if you don't ask the Lord to come into your life and heal your your heart, your body, soul, and spirit, you're gonna be acting like the children of Israel. Here's one thing: God wanted to heal them, but they kept wanting to go their going their own way and always staying in the past. The only one that reminds us of our past is the devil. Yeah. But if you want the Lord to heal you to get you ready to be a Mary or ministry, do the, doing the will of God always, being guided by him and all that, which is, is so important. You have to ask him to heal you. Once he heals you, you'll be able to easily love and forgive other people because you've been healed. The wound is not there. It's been healed. It, it, if you have not been healed, when someone hits something that hits that wound, you'll react to it. And that's why you got Christian cursing. You got Christian getting so angry at people yeah. and acting in a certain way and punching even other people. This, and then they, when they find themselves in prison or find themselves losing their job 
or this or that, and they start thinking, what did I do this for? Why am I so angry? Why? And the Lord, every decision we make is in peace, in the peace of the Lord. If you're not making a decision in peace, you're making a decision for the flesh. You're making the wrong decision. And the children of Israel was having the same problem. Moses is telling God if he had them as a suckling, because they, 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 the way they behave was lost. One of the words was lost. They began to lost again. They fell into lusting. Yeah. Lusting is always of the flesh. We know that. Yeah. We know that. You're talking to professionals. We know that. Lusting is always of the flesh. And they fell into that. So what happened? If you're not careful with being healed in the Lord, body, soul, and spirit, emotionally and psychologically, you, you continue to do the same. You even continue to pray the same. Have, you, have your prayer been the same for how long now? David said he had a new song in him. It was not the same prayer. It was new every day with David. David was healed, restored. The fullness of God was in him. He had a new song in him every day. David prayed different. How is your prayer? I want to ask you, have your prayer been the same in five years? Think about it. Or has it changed? Because when you pray, I want, I want, I want, it's the same. But when you seek the will of God, it changes. David said God put a new song in his mouth. Things were coming new to him. But if yours is the same, you got to be careful. you got to be careful. Not my will, Father. Jesus said, thy will. Remember. So, please, it's not to accuse you, but it's to help you understand that in the Lord we need to be healed. And your prayer in the Lord, your life changes. You, if I can look, I can look up for verses about David. Hallelujah. And and I'll I'll get a lot in the Bible from him. He's the one that said, uh, "In your presence there's fullness of joy." Right? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it was a song. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They, look look at Paul. I pr- and pray for me that whenever I open my mouth, the word will be given unto me to be bold and making known the secret of the good news. My brother, he, boldness, boldness. My brother and sister, boldness was, was in, in Paul. Boldness was in him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He was free in the spirit is what he could say that. Yeah. Psalm 33, 3. Sing unto him a new song. Yeah. He had put in my mouth a new song he had put in my mouth. Even praise unto our Lord. Notice that it, 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 it's going, it keeps going new, new in him. 
that fresh word, that fresh song in your mouth. Because it's not our will, his will. Yeah. He will pour it into us. That's right. And when you are healed, it flows. Yeah. But when you're not healed, Israel will not heal. So what happened? Murmuring and lusting. Murmuring and lusting, the two things of the flesh. Yeah. The two evil, wicked things of the flesh. It got to the point where Moses could not with it no more. Yeah. He could not deal with them no more. And those did not make it to the promised land. Okay. See, you begin the story reading that the the, the fire it should went and consume those that were in the other. Yeah. Because they were participating, and any participant participate in the judgment. And then when you keep reading the story, what happened? You're going to see many of them perishing there. Read the entire chapter when you have time, number eleven. So you see, murmuring and lasting, and many of them begin to perish there. Why? Because that's what the lust of the flesh leads to. God wanted to heal them, but they were not. They were not. Seek his healing. Seek him to be to being healed. What you got to do is ask the Lord. You have not because you ask not. Ask him to heal your body, soul, and spirit, psychologically, emotionally. And what are you going to feel later on? People say, it's not about feeling, brother. It's walking by faith. But how do you walk by faith when you feel like dirt? When you feel so bad. It's almost impossible. So that's how the children of Israel fell in the wilderness. Really garbage. God wanted to heal them from all that garbage. And show them trash, the trash of their end in the Lord. It God heal you. You know what he does? He helps you understand that you are a treasure in him, in the Lord. And as he heals you, the treasure comes forward. And you understand you're the child of a king. You feel a special child. The presence, the anointing, the confirmation that Paul said to the, to the Romans, that the Spirit confirmed to a spirit that we are the Son of God. There's a pure confirmation there from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit, into our lives. That happens daily. You know? Some people want me to feel bad like other people. And I say, no, I don't feel that way. I feel like they need the Lord. Because as the Lord heals you, you don't begin to feel like the rest of the people in the wilderness. Moses did not feel like them. Joshua, who was being healed, was not feeling like them. These people were murmuring. Joshua kept his mouth quiet. Moses kept his mouth quiet. They knew it was offending to the Lord, like they also knew. But they were so hurt, but not willing to be healed. And that's a problem. God wants to heal you. Ask him to heal you. Your emotion. You want to get married? If God heals you, he'll put someone in your life quickly. If he's having it because you're not ready. Don't fight the wind. Don't fight the wind. Fight the, 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 the battle of faith. But don't fight the wind. If, you, if, if right now you were ready to be married, God would have a person right now in your life. He gives you as you're ready to receive. If you're not ready, he cannot bring someone for you to hurt that other person 
or for you to be hurt from another person? No. Because it'll make your spiritual life worse than him. It'll be worse. If you're ready to bring someone re- immediately, why is it that someone who, who seeks the healing of God, the restoration of God in their life, God immediately brings someone into their life? You're like, this person started the other year. God already brought someone into this person's life. Because the person started seeking God the right way, seeking the things of above. I want to be healed, God. I want to be ready for you. And as he does that, then he makes you ready for someone else. Boom, happens in the Lord. And you're ready. And then you can love that person and be loved and be happy. Thank you, Lord. Some people are so hurting that they don't believe in happiness anymore. But it's the hurting and them speaking. Like the children of Israel murmuring of God, murmuring of Moses. And all the plan of God, you have brought us in this. We have watermelon back in Egypt, they say. Not onion, garlic. But all that is not enough for your spiritual life. That was of the flesh. Jesus said that men would not live by bread alone. They were thinking just by live by bread alone. How did God bring them into the wilderness to put his Holy Spirit on them? And they kept thinking that they wanted to just live by bread alone. I just want to have my food on my table and that's it, brother Elvis. That's not the plan I got for your life. I'm sorry, but that's not the plan I got for you. God had a greater plan than this for you. Much greater than what you've been thinking so far. There's a shaking in coming. He is the prophet of the Lord. to come. You, you have to share. She's so beautiful. I'll put, I'll, I don't need that. Okay. So as we were in prayer, um, as I was kneeling by my husband, what came to me is that as he was addressing the church, all I heard in my spirit is that there is a shakening that's going to happen in the church that is so strong, and this is for the body at large, that is so strong that only those that have their eyes fixed on Jesus will stand. And But it's necessary to happen. The shakening that's getting ready to take place is necessary. Because the Lord needs his bride to be focused. So keep your eyes focused. And I saw literally um, our feet being planted in firm foundation, like, you know, concrete. When it's settling and it's, and it's wet and it dries and our feet are like solid in him. And we were focused on him and I saw our eyes fixed on him and that's the posture he wants his church firm and grounded on him fixed on him not looking to the right or the left because what's getting ready to unfold and take place is beyond what we can think or imagine and we have to be fixed on him we have to be so just devoted and just focused on him 
which is why he's trying to address his bride and get you refocused. That is not about ministry. It's not about all these other things. It's about him. And that's why he wants us to return to our first love, which is him. Nothing else can get in the way. So that's what I saw. I'm not going to add more or take away. That's exactly what I heard in my spirit. So stay focused on him. That's why he's redirecting us to be so caught up in his presence and seeking his faith. Because there's more that he's going to pour out for the end time because we are living in those times now, presently. So be encouraged. Uh, Folks, today's message is titled, Understanding the Times and the Sons of Issachar. You know, the sons of Issachar have been heavy on my heart lately. Uh, For those of you that don't know who Issachar was, he was one of the sons uh, of Jacob, born to Leah. You can read about that in the book of Genesis, chapter 35, verse 23. Something very interesting was said about the sons of Issachar. We are told they had an understanding of the times. In fact, in the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 12, verse 32, we read the following. Of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do, their chiefs were 200, and all their brethren were at their command. If you're a student of Bible prophecy in the world today, you can clearly discern the times we are living in. But most of the church has no clue about the times and seasons that God has so clearly laid out for us in His Word. I want to bring to our attention uh, the rebuke Jesus gave to those around Him who were not paying attention to the times during His first coming. In the book of Luke, chapter 12, verses 54 to 56, the Lord Jesus Christ says the following, And He said also to the people, when you see a cloud rise out of the west, straight away you say, you say there cometh a shower, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say there will be heat, and it cometh to pass. Ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it you do not discern this time? So we are told that the sons of Issachar had an understanding of the times. But the people did, did not discern the signs of the times during Jesus' first coming. The people, however, were without excuse to not understand and be watching because over 300 detailed prophecies had foretold that Christ was coming. The Old Testament provided a description of the circumstances around which the promised Messiah would be born, the bloodline he would come through, the events that would take place in his life, as well as his death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus Christ fulfilled all of these in his first coming to the earth. It is worth noting that even their rejection of Christ was also prophesied. You can read about that in the book of Isaiah and the book of Psalms. The people could discern by looking at the sky if good or bad weather was coming. But they could not discern the promised coming of their Messiah to be watching and waiting for it. That also sounds similar in our world today, doesn't it? All of the signs Jesus told us to look for to signal his soon return are staring us in the face. And yet the majority of the world could care less and have no clue about what is about to come upon this world. In the book of Luke chapter 21 verse 35, the Lord Jesus Christ says the following, For as a snare it shall come on all them 
that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Is there a connection between the sons of Issachar and those of us around the world today that are watching for the Lord's return? Recognize the season we are in and know that Jesus Christ is about to rapture his church? I would say absolutely. Again, we are told the sons of Issachar had an understanding of the time, which means they were aware of what time they were living in. We are told very clearly in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that we, the children of the light, will have an understanding of the time and we will see the day approaching. The Bible also tells us that, that that day should not catch us off guard like a thief in the night. Unfortunately, for the majority of the world, it will catch them off guard because they are not watching. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 to 9, the Apostle Paul reports the following. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken, are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for and helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Which one of these two groups do you fall into? Are you like those of the world who blind themselves to the magnificent fulfillment of prophecy as it stares them in the face? Or are you like the sons of Issachar, who understood in advance what incredible times they lived in and watched in anticipation? If anyone is watching this that doesn't believe we are living in amazing times and in the season of the Lord's soon return, I implore you to be like the sons of Issachar. Be a Berean and do your due diligence to confirm for yourself what season we are living in. The Lord is coming, and he is coming soon. The signs are undeniable, and they're right in our face, right here and right now. We have to occupy until the Lord comes. We need to tell people that Jesus Christ is the only way to the kingdom of heaven, and he's the only name that can save them. We need to tell them right here and right now to put their faith and their trust in the blood of Jesus right now. They need to believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins. He was buried, and he rose again. He resurrected on the third day as it is written in the scriptures. And we need to tell them that now because tomorrow is not coming. And make no mistake about it, Jesus is coming. And he's coming one day very, very, very soon. Keep looking up. Keep watching with me. And God bless you all. You're up. Alright, now I heard this over and over for how many days now? The first, uh, the first two, uh, I want to say, first two, uh, comment in it. Can you see the danger? Can you see the danger? The earth is quaking and it will continue to do so until you recognize the truth. I am. A massive earthquake, unlike any other, is coming. Have you prepared? Your enemies will take full advantage of this cataclysmic disaster and the chaos following it. Okay, so this is the scary part here. Yeah, it is. Okay, new weapons of destruction will be used to compound the damage. The land will be desolate 
and the land will be desolate, uninhabitable. Many will be forced underground to escape the follow, that word, follow. The rich men have already prepared for this. The poor man, like us, unsaid to say, the poor man will succumb. Call on me now. Pray for discernment, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. I will shorten the days. Remember, I am with you. Fear not. It sounds like while all this chaos is going to go on, there's going to be um, countries that are going to take advantage of it and they're going to try to move in. Yep. That's what it says. That's what it sounds like, which is, instead of working together. I'm going to say, uh, you guys, now on my Facebook page, I did put uh, nuclear winter up there and nuclear follow. So if if you're not on those pages, just uh, Google it and see what that is. Praise to Yeshua. Hallelujah. Last night, he takes me in the spirit with the brighter quieting. Spiritual right now. And I began to see a group of my brothers and sisters, hundreds, maybe thousands of them, I would say thousands of them, of every nation, Christians that are going home in the ranch of the pasture of the Bride of Christ. They were in front of me. We're going like up this mountain, okay? Because Jesus said to me, there was no, there's no more time left. He also has said to me, they prior to this, that we have nowhere to go. In regard to, he showed me that if we are longer on this earth, we're going to see people changing into beasts. And show me uh, a little further from now, okay? I don't know how much time in the spirit, but no one knows the day in the hour. Shalom, Sister Luna. But he showed me that if we stay here longer, we will see people changing into beasts because them changing into beasts, it just further... A little bit further ahead. I don't know how, how many weeks or months it is. Okay? Until so then, at least me, but then at least it were more questions. That's, that's the thing with humans. You give them a piece and, and now comes more questions. Because he's telling me, he has shown me years ago that when we see Russia rise and, 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 be, and launch their missile against the United States, at that very moment, when Russia began this World War III, launching their missile against the United States and other country, he takes us out quickly. He showed me. I'm standing with the Lord. I'm in front of me. Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, beautiful and awesome as he is, standing in front of me, looking to this, my brother and sister, from heaven down to the earth. The missile coming and the bride being taken out. This is the clear message sign he's given me that I'm waiting for. So me seeing the rise of Russia now and hearing our president, our leader talking about uh, stopping President Putin, in other words, getting into a, uh, a nuclear war with Russia, which Jesus is giving me as a, as a sign, taking the bright out. So, you know, a few weeks ago, the Lord and the Father says to me, about a month and a half ago, that it was over. It's over for you, he said. And the Lord confirmed. Father said, the Lord confirmed. Witness are two. And the witness are two of matters is established. That's it. It's established. It's over for us. So it's taking us out of here. Awesome. Great. And so we're seeing the signs clear, my brother and sister. 
So in this vision last night, when he takes me out in the spirit, I'm seeing the bride of Christ in front of me. Those that are repenting daily, that are seeking him, and I can see them, they're ready to come home with the Father, with the Lord home to the Father, to the wedding celebration. And I began to see brothers and sisters from here, the Lord Tower, that I could recognize. And I'm, I'm imagine how excited I am that I will have here brothers and sisters of my family in the Lord Tower coming home with me in the rash of departure. That's exciting. Because we'll get to go to the Lord Tower Park up in heaven and sit down and talk about these amazing things of God. It's exciting. My brother and sister, 